warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 350. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at topic, good at Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushover pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Jake! Yes! What Dr. Strange didn't tell Tony was that he found only one way to defeat Thanos that didn't involve Captain America's dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a story. What wow. a story. Yeah, we gotta talk Chris Evans. We gotta talk Chris Evans, but I'm first gonna bring on our guest this week. We're joined by from the Schmorgasborg podcast, Neil Tholander. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also joined by Shifton Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shifton. Hey, Shifton Tristan. Glad to be back and uh, happy to be on episode 350. <laughs> three fifty. <laughs> yeah, we episode three fifty. Not not really. We'll called three fifty. Three fifty. Not really celebrating it. It's just kind of happening, everybody. Three fifty. It's just happening. But uh, yeah, we gotta talk. We got. I'm happy to have everybody on. Happy to have everybody on. We gotta talk about this Chris Evans shit. Oh my god, what the fuck came out of nowhere? Me, I, we got done recording last week. Uh, me, Greg, and Stephanie. And Greg, after the episode, tells me, he's like, have you seen this shit about Chris Evans? And I, I, we've been recording and I hadn't seen it. And I was like, why didn't you bring this up on the episode? We literally, I think we stayed on the call maybe like an hour after we stopped recording, just talking about Chris Evans' cock. It was unreal. <laughs> and there's a lot to talk about. There's like a Walter Conkite staying on like late, like into the night, like covering the news and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I should have kept recording. I should have just kept recording everything that me and Greg and Stephanie we'll stay were saying. We'll on this all night if we have to. Oh man, I personally couldn't stop laughing about guard that pussy. <laughs> oh my god, guard that pussy was like the funniest fucking thing ever. And here's the thing: I noticed like how some people 
wanted to like not acknowledge this at all or talk about it at all. Like it was just like, it's like this segment of fans were just acting like this just did not happen. And the more people weren't reacting and saying stuff, the more memes I kept making and putting on the PCL fan page. And (laughs) it was like, that's the way you do. It was like, it was like when you were in like school, like grade school and like a kid farted and you all started laughing in class and then the teacher starts shaming you for laughing and, you know, telling you to be mature and act like you're act, act your age and, and grow up. At least people were ignoring it like it didn't happen. But we all know fucking Billy farted. So I want to talk about, you know what I mean? Like this is – we all know that he fucking farted. And so like I, I, there's no way to not talk about this. I, and I don't care how you try to spin the meme. So apparently like he made a meme of himself on his phone that said, guard that (laughs) pussy. Like, I don't care how you try to spin this. That is some douchey shit. Was it confirmed that he made the meme? I don't care. It's on his fucking phone. I was just thinking someone sent it to him and he saved it. I don't know. Either way. Either way. Either way. That's some douchey shit to have on your phone like i did you guys see the alleged um dick pic i saw like yes. i saw a couple of the pics floating around but i never got to see like i never got to see it like in its full glory <laughs> i like like i saw well, kind of blurred out and then glory. with things over it you know and do you think do you think when thanos snapped do you think half of that thing disappeared <laughs> it's, Jesus Christ! Oh my God, he's got a baby's arm down there. Yeah, that shit was double C thick. Oh my God, that, that super soldier serum was working in all places. Oh. I saw a lot of people with this, like, "Oh, we shouldn't talk about it because you know we should respect his privacy Bullshit. and blah blah blah." And you know, I get that when it's like. Some hacker hacks to the rewards his phone, and right. you know it's not proper to talk about that. But this motherfucker uploaded that picture himself, <laughs> <laughs> so all is fair game for Chris Evans. He deserves the same shaming just for being shitty at technology. Yeah, it's, it's like, like yeah. he got hacked, and we're like, you know, disrespecting him by talking about what some hacker did to him. It was fucking yeah. him. I felt bad for him because he suffers from extreme anxiety, so I know that day had to just been rough for him. <laughs> oh, oh, poor guy. Oh, God. Now the world knows I have a huge cock. Oh, what will I ever do? Is America going to like my giant cock? Oh, no. And now the cat's out of the bag for my secret game show that's premiering this fall. Guard that pussy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, he, he's, I, I know he has like his fan base. I'm a fan. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying like I hate Chris Evans now, but I will not say that it's not douchey to have that on your phone. That is such, <laughs> if I, anybody else got caught with that on their fucking phone, it's over. It's over. Yeah, cancel. Cancel. I don't know why any celebrity would have that shit on their phone. I mean, me, if I lose my phone, nothing's going to happen. But, you know, you drop your phone 
lose it, someone hacks into it, you're fucked. Think about all the celebrities that people just yeah. want to hate. They want to get some fucking dirt on them. Think yeah. about it. Think about it. Think about all the celebrities that we want to get dirt on and cancel. It's like, I feel like right now we're in like this, uh, like, like, Back in the day, it used to be people showing up to gladiator arenas to watch, you know, different people, you know, get killed. People that have been enslaved and then we get to watch them murder each other. And now it's basically this and just us fucking murdering celebrities. It's the Internet bringing <laughs> celebrities down from like their high place, doing it on social media. The new gladiator arena is fucking <sighs> Twitter. I'm, I'm not even joking right now. People love to bring people down but man chris evans has a guard that pussy meme and people are just like dude there was crickets out of a lot of people people oh let's respect oh what the fuck you gotta talk about that shit this is like yeah. you have to how can you fucking ignore that this dude he fucking slipped up not only just a picture not just a picture of his goddamn dick but a guard that pussy meme are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, it's like it's like uh, introducing the newest Avenger. I don't like uh, what the fuck. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Pussy garter. Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. Oh my god! I, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's I I still I still like the guy. I'll still. You know, whatever. I'll still see his movies. I'm not canceling Chris Evans. I don't want people to get me wrong. That's like, I'm not, that's not, I'm not, I'm not out for blood, but I am not going to not say that it wasn't douchey. It's a total douchey <laughs> meme. It's a, whether he, it was sent to him or what, it's fucking douchey. It's so Is douchey. trying to cancel him? Yeah, there was, um, uh, there was a hashtag that was trending, uh, Chris Evans party is over. Fucking and cancel culture. It is, dude. Everybody's culture. out for blood. Everybody's fucking out for blood, man. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Can we crazy. all just agree that we would all be canceled if people can peer into our personal lives? Oh, for sure. Shit, all you gotta do is listen to our first 100 episodes. No we shit. Canceled. We're done. <laughs> We're done. We're done. We could, Jake, we could like, not that our podcast is big anyway, but like, even if it was like, dude, yeah, people would go back and find so much shit to fucking shit on us about. But I said so much shit that I'm not proud of when I was a kid and sure. high school and yeah. stuff, you know? It's Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it just really comes with being, it comes with like getting older and then, and then some people fucking like realize, man, I was a fucking douchebag and then they change their ways and yeah. some people just don't. And then they have a fucking guard that pussy meme on their phone. <laughs> well, we should be celebrating growth, but in Chris Evans case, he just probably made that meme like last week. We, everybody, oh, everybody celebrated his growth. growth. <laughs> yeah. Girth and growth. Yeah, no shit. You know, some people, some people like, you know, I guess we learned that he's not perfect, but some people think he is perfect now. So it's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Such an God. artistic was, photo he took too. Like not a dead on shot, you know. It's like that weird shadowy photo. <laughs> yeah, he had he had Denny Villeneuve from fucking. <laughs> yeah. Did he put a remote controller next to it? Roger Deakins took that picture for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm just glad that the internet didn't exist when I was younger. Because oh boy, there are some. Aspects of my life that I'm glad were never recorded because they were not good. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I mean it's, it's everybody, man. We're yeah, not. We just have to own that we've all said fucked up shit at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm not out to, I'm not out to get Chris Evans, but all I'm, all I'm saying is the dude had a fucking <laughs> picture on his phone of himself that said guard that pussy. <laughs> that's all I'm saying, man. Oh man, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. You guys ready to jump into some, uh, Neil, how's Smorgasbord going? How many episodes you got out, man? Uh, let's see. We have three regular episodes and one bonus episode. Um, it's been going pretty good so far. Uh, Steven is great to talk to. Uh, he's a really good guy. So I'm really glad that he asked me to do this with him. And, and it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far. We have some real fun stuff. Uh, plan for the upcoming weeks and months with some, uh, other podcasts. Um, I think we're going to be doing a crossover with movies from the heart and we're going to be doing a Picard cast one. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a real fun time and I've been enjoying getting back into the editing process and I've been workshopping theme songs, but that's been kind of fun too. Now, uh, in order to gain some more traction for the podcast, have you ever thought about like accidentally uploading a picture of your penis? I don't know if that would get me any more new listeners, man. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the opposite effect. <laughs> hey, there's freaks out there for everything. <laughs> oh god. Are you ready to you guys ready to jump into some iTunes reviews? Yeah, check out check out Schmorgishborg. How do you how do you fucking spell that, Neil? <laughs> Smorgasbord. It's S-M-O-R-G-A-S Borg, B-O-R-G. I've been saying it right. I've been smorgas. I don't even know how to say the fuck a word. Smorgasbord. All right. Guys, let's jump into some iTunes reviews. Yeah. It's one First one's titled Guard That Pussy comes from Chris Evans. <laughs> Not going to let it die. Um, anyway, it comes from Jake the Cake and the A in cake is the at symbol. Ooh. Jake, I feel like you have something to say about this. I don't know. I, no, I seems, don't know. That seems like a lot. I gotta process this one. <laughs> Jake, Jake, Jake feels like he just walked out of tenant. I gotta process this one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the Jake is cake Reddit thread. Yeah. Oh man. It's, uh, Jake the cake, uh, it's, uh, titled Thank You PCL. It's a five star. And, uh, yeah, this is our one and only review this week, actually. I found PC. I know. I know. You do, when you do that noise, Jake, it always reminds me of, uh, like Marge's sisters. Selma <laughs> <laughs> and Selma. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's my super disappointed mm. noise. Yeah. Uh, I found PCL when I was in physical therapy recovering from tearing my ACL. I had just seen Thor Ragnarok and a buddy of mine told me to listen to PCL after the first, po- after the first pod, I was hooked. And listened every week after that. It helped pass the time, but in a good way. 
I left a review back then, but I got a new phone, new account recently. So why not leave a new review? I try to repost every time a new episode drops on Twitter whenever I can. Man, I want to thank you for doing that. That's fucking awesome. I think that that's fucking awesome. When when we when we tw- take the time to tweet an episode and our listeners retweet that shit, that is fucking. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah some real grassroots shit helps spread it up. Yeah, how the fuck are we gonna get out there more? You know, without people retweeting that shit. You know, fucking. You know, maybe maybe if the maybe if the art for our show is Chris Evans' penis pic, maybe then we get. <laughs> Get some traction here. Uh, and uh, uh, sorry for the long review. And uh, thank you guys for all the time and dedication you put into the pod slash community. Fun fact, my first name is Jacob and middle name is Brian. So you can roast me for putting a fun fact. <laughs> is that a fun fact? I don't know how fun that is. <laughs> Jacob Brian. Hmm. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Uh, it's just not, it's just not a fun fact. You know what I mean? It's like, how am I, how, how am I, fun fact is like something that you want to share with other people. And I don't really give a fuck <laughs> to ever mention <laughs> that to anyone. <laughs> oh, this random listener that we have on this podcast that I'm ashamed of has the first name Jacob, middle name Brian. Fun fact. My co-host's name is Jake, and my name is Brian. (laughs) Real icebreaker you got there. Yeah, fun fact, the person I told that to is never talking to me again. So there you go. Maybe if his last name was Leftovers, that might be a little bit fun. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Then you got to explain all that shit. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for the... uh, no, I thank you for the one and only iTunes review that we got this week. The rest of you, shame on you. If you listen and you haven't left one, shame on you. Shame on me. Ring the shame bell. You haven't left a review, Tristan? You know what? I tried to leave one one time, but I put all these F-bombs in there and it didn't didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's an issue. That's an issue. Uh, I got an email here, though, that I did want to read, and it's from uh, Mac Pruden, and it goes on to say, Hey, Brian, so I've left like four iTunes reviews, and they never send, so I guess I'm just going to email you. I'm 15, and I've been listening to your podcast since the Aquaman episode. Before I found your podcast, I was in a rough spot in my life, as I was in a foster home, living separately from my siblings and parents. In the foster home, I lived with two moms and a couple of foster brothers. After going to the theater and seeing Aquaman with one of my foster brothers, I really wanted to know other people's opinions. So I downloaded your Aquaman spoiler episode. And thank God I did because you literally lit up my life. I don't even know how to explain it, but I am so happy your podcast came into my life. All your guests have been incredible, and I love what y'all have done for me without even knowing me. As a side note, as a 13-year-old, I knew almost nothing about the birds and the bees, and you taught me a lot. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Without, without living with a dad, you were the one that taught me what sex and lemon parties were. So thank you. But seriously, <laughs> but seriously, I love what you and Jake do and all your guests. Thank you for everything. Three exclamation points at the end of that one. And I love that. So thank you, Mac Pruden, 
for the email. That's a fucking wonderful email. Jake, we're corrupting America's youth. I know. It's like Finn 2.0. Oh, my God. How, how old is Finn now? He's like college age. Yeah, we can throw him away. We got this guy now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You sound like Kevin Spacey. Anyway. Um, oh, the gloves came off. <laughs> oh man! Out with the old twink, in with the new one. Oh, oh man! <sighs> anyway, um, no new contest this week. I thought it was this week. I double checked, and uh, we can't go over the new contest until next week. But we are going to be announcing the winners of the Psycho Digital Codes this week. Uh, this is from the Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection. We're giving away five digital copies of Psycho to support the release of the collection. The Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection is now available on 4K Ultra HD Combo Pack with a Blu-ray and digital code from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. And we're giving out five of the Psycho in 4K. We're going to do that now. So everybody, I have your name in the randomizer fucking thingamabobber, and I'm gonna pull out the first name. Here we go. And oh my god, it's it's nerve wracking. Who's gonna be the winner here? Oh my god, <laughs> we got Andrew Doyle. Andrew Doyle, you win a copy of Psycho. I'll give. I'll send everybody the digital code in the. I'll reply to the email that you sent me. So here we go. Number two, number two, winner number two. You know what I should do, Jake? After we do like the five winners, I should click it again to see like who was like the closest to winning. <laughs> I like it. I love this idea. <laughs> who was the closest to winning but did not win, you know? <laughs> it's a real letdown. I like it. <laughs> it's fucked up. I'm going to do it. Here we go. I, I think next time we should do like a, a, a trial before we even do the first person. So like, oh, practice run. You don't really win one. Actually, I've done oh, that. Shit. I've done that on my own when I first started this. When I first, <laughs> when I first pulled this up to see how it worked. Anyway, number two, winner number two for Psycho. There we go. Drum roll. Insert drum roll noise. Oh, we got a female winner here. Monica Garola. Everybody's excited. Everyone excited. All, all my co-hosts are just, just flabbergasted right now. <laughs> Sorry, Man, the, the was drowning it out. The, 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 I didn't know if that was a drum roll or Neil's internet. The excitement is, <laughs> it was, it was palpable. It was like, it was like you guys saw that fucking Chris Evans dick pic for the first time. You're speechless. <laughs> guard my pussy. Yeah, guard that pussy, Neil. All right. Monica, Monica Garola. Uh, you want, uh, here we go. Ready for number three. Here we go. Uh, da -da -da waiting and we're waiting and Josh Davis. He actually writes for the site. Josh Davis. He writes for popcultureleftovers.com. That's fantastic. Josh Davis. You're a winner today, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> number four. Oh, I hate myself. Here we go. Number four. Da, 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 number four. 
Ooh, another female winner, Stephanie Haynes. All right. Nice. All right. Stephanie Haynes. She's on, she's on the Discord. Big fan of the show. Fantastic. Not that everybody else that entered isn't a fan of the show, but, uh. It'd be weird if they weren't. That'd be fun. Yeah. We find out you're not. You're not getting the code. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. And the final, the final winner before we find out who, who is closest to winning and didn't win. Uh, here we go. Fire, the actual, the actual final winner is, uh, here we go. Here we go. Here it is. Number five. Final winner. Nate Ria. Nate Ria. Nice. Thank God his first name. Thank God his first name isn't Daya. That, that would be tough. That would be, that would be rough. Wouldn't it? Oh man. Or Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ghana. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> That's his, that's his, that's his, that's his siblings. Oh man. <laughs> All right. And the person that didn't win, but was the closest to winning. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, me too. Me too. All right. The first loser is Brandon Olson. So Brandon, you came in very close, but you didn't win. All right. But we will have a new contest next week and uh, then we'll draw the winner for that one the week. After and exciting news, we're going to have another video game drawing in October. So it's a new oh, video that game. It's exciting. Yeah. Alrighty. What the fuck are we doing now? Oh, we're moving into good pop, bad pop. Oh, no, real quick. Jake, I've been still watching Antenna TV late at night, been watching, yes. watching Carson, and you wouldn't believe the episode that I saw this past week. It was who was on Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters together oh, on and it oh, was man. fucking incredible, dude. Who who was first billed? Probably back then, Jonathan Winters, huh? Yeah, Jonathan. It depends on the year. What was it like? Late seventies? So, well, uh, no, this was eighty. This was like late eighties. Uh, this was like right. He oh late. Uh, 80s, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. When the fuck did Hook come out? Early nineties, like ninety, I think ninety. Ninety or ninety one. Yeah. Okay. So Robin Williams, when he did this, he was gonna film the last day of Hook the very next day. Huh. Is what he was saying. And he had just they had just like released the Fisher King. Ninety one. Yeah, so it was nineteen ninety one. Well they had they had Robin Williams come out first and then Jonathan Winters came out after and it was just like a like a I don't know for me it was just cool seeing them and they were fucking both hilarious and cracking each other up and then it was it was just like man I remember you know watching these two on Mork and Mindy when I was a kid of course watching it in syndication but um I fucking I love the dynamic between those two on Mork and Mindy I dude this antenna TV I'm telling you buying this fucking HD antenna for 10 bucks has just been it's been paying off I fucking love it. Yeah, it sounds like a bargain for ten fucking bucks. Oh my god, uh, the fucking NFL is doing a. You can register to win this thing. Have you guys seen the Cantenna? No. Miller Lite is doing a, it's. It's an antenna that you plug. It's an HD antenna that you can plug in, and they have all the games, all the NFL games. I don't watch NFL, but you have all the NFL games that they're showing on Sundays, and they have a Cantenna. It's a Miller Lite can and like the antenna ears are, the rabbit ears are two goalposts that come up out, out of the Miller Lite can. 
<laughs> and you can register to win this fucking thing every day from what was it? Or like early September all the way through October 12th. And I've been <laughs> entering to win this thing every day. <laughs> I want, I don't even watch football and I want a cantenna. I want a Miller light can with goalposts coming out of it. It's just fun to say cantenna. Cantenna. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think just do a search. If you want to fucking enter this thing, just do a search for Miller Lite Cantana and it'll take you to the site and you can register to win it. Might even have a better chance of winning that, uh, Brandon Olson than you did today with the psycho drawing. So <laughs> try, try that. Try. I feel so bad for Brandon. Yeah, he's going to have to cough up the, uh, 20 bucks for psycho himself. Yeah. Man, Brandon, so close, so close. Close, but no cigar. Ah, oh, poor Brandon. You guys ready to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I uh, and I didn't even know about this until today. And I'm sure there's going to be some of our listeners that don't even know about this, that are fans of this, and they're not even aware that the second season is out. Pen 15 is back on Hulu. Yes. Season two of Pen 15. Uh, this is the show where, uh, 30 somethings Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle play seventh graders. It's back. I love, <laughs> I fucking Tupperware the fuck out of the first season. Well, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, Maya Erskine anyway. I loved her in, uh, in, uh, casual on Hulu and then that movie that she did with, uh, Jack Quaid. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but I love that movie. Um, Jack Quaid from The Boys, which everybody – are you guys watching The Boys? Neil, you watching The Boys? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You watching it, Tristan? I am. I watched uh, – what was it, episode five that dropped yesterday? I haven't seen episode five yet. I'm saving yeah. that for tomorrow, but I, I have caught up to at least the first four episodes. But uh, – oh, my God. I think it – I. I yeah, I'm, I'm going back and forth on my, on my love for Umbrella Academy and the boys, which one I love more. Cause I think like after I watched the last two episodes <laughs> of the boys that I've seen, it's like it kind of flipped back to the boys. I, it's hard. Those shows I are, think both of their second seasons are superior. I would agree with the Umbrella. I would agree with the Umbrella Academy so far. I, of course, we've got to get through second season of of the boys but you're saying so far for you it's i love it yeah yeah. i'm loving it oh man yeah this it's it is pretty fucking fantastic i was talking to somebody this week about the boys they hadn't started it they heard about it and they had friends that watched it and i kind of told them a little bit of the premise and they were just kind of like yeah i gotta start this i gotta fucking start this (laughs) you know i told them there's an old shit moment in episode five you'll you'll know it when you see it really really Ah. oh yeah Oh yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Episode five tomorrow. I gotta, I'm, I'm recording, I'm recording tomorrow actually everybody. I'm recording a, uh, uh, I'm not gonna say it. No, fuck it. I'm, I'm recording with Scott Shooty. We're gonna be recording, um, 
you know, some of his uh, horror movies that he's doing for like October and stuff. So yeah, that'll, that'll be nice. released in October. So, but, um, and that's on the, uh, leftover army podcast feed. So that'll be coming up, uh, in October, but, um, yeah, this, the season for the second season for pen 15, it's not, I think the last season was 10 episodes. This one looks like it's seven and it picks up two days after the school dance, which was the, uh, finale for last season. And, uh, that's the one where Brant went to second base with both Anna and Maya at the same time. And, um, <laughs> Maya still has the hots for Brant and basically is stalking him even to the point where she joins the wrestling team just to be close to him. And, uh, Brendan, who was seeing Anna has now moved on from Anna and is dating someone else. And it looks like Anna might be getting jealous that Brendan's seeing someone else when she didn't have any interest for him at all. I don't know. And there's this awkward shit. There's this awkward, like teen kind of like, um, like, you know, the self discovery, sexual discovery shit going on in this one. And I'm just, I'm loving it. I fucking love Ten fifteen, and so I can't wait to just blaze through the rest of these episodes, which I will. But um, so far, you know, I'm gonna give it a Tupperware for the first two episodes that I've seen of the season. But um, yeah, Pen Fifteen's back, man. It's it's. I don't think Hulu's been doing a good job of letting people know that Pen Fifteen's back. No, no, this is was Michelle's favorite show when it came out, and she had no idea this even existed until yesterday. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize, realize it until today. And I was like, fuck, well, I've been waiting for the show to come back for a long time. Let me watch a couple episodes. So yeah, fucking loving it. Uh, if you haven't watched Pen 15, highly recommend it. I fucking love it. Um, the third day on HBO, is this HBO and HBO Max? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I never can tell the difference anymore either because I only watch HBO shit on HBO Max. So, okay. So well, if you I, have HBO, you can't watch HBO Max stuff on that. Is that how it works? You have to. It have doesn't air on HBO proper. Like, is, to, uh, is it like on demand on HBO? No. Huh. Why was their launch so confusing? <laughs> it still is. <laughs> this uh, this is uh, it's on HBO and looks like you you can watch it on HBO Max too. But the series, the third day, chronicles the individual journeys of a man and woman who arrive on a mysterious island at different times. This one stars Jude Law and Catherine Waterston. And Jake, I know you've watched this, um, Neil. Tristan, did you guys get a chance to watch the first episode of the third day? Yes. yes. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the first episode and then after that we'll talk about how this show is being released because that's also a, <laughs> that's, that's bizarre. Uh, but very. Yeah, I, um, this, this show really held my attention. It is bizarre. Is this, is this based on anything? No, it's an original screenplay, I believe. Yeah, this show really kind of like held my interest the whole time. Um, you've got Jude Law as this, this guy who's apparently, is he, is he grieving a death? Was that what we were seeing there at the beginning where he puts that shirt into the water? Correct. 
Okay. I think so, but his his son died. Yeah. But we don't really know if that's true or not, which is part of the whole thing. Yeah, and he keeps seeing this little boy, and I don't know if that ties into it or what. That little boy's his son, right? It it doesn't. It's (laughs) it's not. It's not. (laughs) That is not revealed at all. Okay. And he doesn't allude to that fact that the boy is his son. We really haven't even. Um, kind of. I, mean, like, I, I was thinking that maybe the little boy was him as a kid. Hmm. Yeah, I that, that too actually. Nick. That kind of makes sense. I don't know. Okay, let's talk about that. Basically, like with this show, you've got a guy who f- finds this. He's out in the woods, and he is basically he takes this tiny little shirt, which we assume was you know uh, his son who's passed away, and he. And he sends it down into like this little, you know, creek or whatever, this little river. And, and then he hears some noise, follows this path and then sees a girl hanging, basically hanging from a tree. And then this boy says something about, does he say something like step forward or something like that? It's like he's giving her instructions or something. Mm-hmm. Before she hangs herself. Yeah. Kind of telling her what to do. And then she, like at least. and then she, she's, she's hanging there from this, from this rope, from this tree and, and he rescues her and then goes to, she really is not like, she's really not willing to tell him like why she was there. She doesn't acknowledge that there was the little boy there that we see. He sees the little boy and he, he just is very, very unsuccessful about finding like, out why she's there, why she's doing this. He does know that, you know, she lives in this small village and he drives her there and it's separated. It's like an island. It's like, and then there's like this, there's this tide, this intercoastal tide that like kind of it rises and then, and then lowers certain parts of the day. So the, the path to this, the driving path to this island is not always there. And he goes. Yeah, it's a causeway. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And then, so he goes to this village and doesn't she say something about this village is all about salt and soil that they, that they're all about salt and soil is kind of like. Yeah. And she pours salt into her water bottle and drinks it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of salt on the bathroom floor at one in one scene as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. No slugs on the island at all. No, no. The salt's made sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> the slug problem has been taken care of by the mayor of whatever fucking town they're in. Anyway, um, but yeah, like everybody in this town is like super shady and very secretive. Does it, do you get the feeling like, like, like they won't let him go and like he's going to get trapped there somehow. This feels like it feels very yeah. like M night Shyamalan in some ways where it's or like, like the wicker man, the wicker man. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tristan, tell me your thoughts on, uh, on the third day. I'm I'll get to my rating here in a moment, but go ahead and give me your thoughts on this one. You can rate it if you want to. Yeah. The, um, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just kind of confused. It's a big mystery box. And, you know, I like stuff like that where you kind of have to figure out the pieces as you go along. I knew the premise involved, I guess, two different stories or one takes place in 
the winter and the other is what this is it the spring or the summer um some other season and uh it's like half jude law and the other half is what naomi harris so we're starting out with jude law and you're just kind of confused as to what's going on and you're seeing the the show through his eyes he's just as confused as we are you know so uh, the whole fucking episode, he just has this like perplexed look on his face. <laughs> and, and, um, I thought it was very beautifully shot. Like it was like the visuals were stunning. Like it was this really cool cinematography where all the green was popping, like the green colors were popping, especially like in trees and even in people's eyes. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good, uh, technique there, but it's just, you know, one of those shows where you just don't know what's going on and, and, but it's well done. It's well acted well-directed, and I definitely want to see the next episode. I gave it a high taste. High taste. Yeah. Uh, Neil. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as, as Tristan here. It's a very intriguing story. I had no idea going into this what anything was going to be happening in this. Uh, like, as Tristan was saying about the two storylines, I had no idea until you just said that. Um, but it's definitely very just wait. <laughs> Um, it's a little too twisty to really get on a, get a handle on any of the characters with a plot line for me so far. Um, and then they were talking about that whole festival thing and it kind of reminded me of like the purge or, you know, like, as I said earlier, the wicker man and, um, hold on one second. Yeah, Yeah. That's how podcasts work. Solid podcast. Sorry, there's a disturbing <laughs> force here, guys. Uh, I, I was, I was fart on the door. The I only, it's ridiculous. That's only it's acceptable. Annoying. It's only acceptable if Chris Evans sent out another tweet. I mean. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry about that. Uh, um, I, I'll give it a high taste as well. I'm definitely intrigued to see where it goes. And yeah, it's, it's, Worth checking out, I think, at least. Spoilers. They find out this island is on Chris Evans' penis. Um, <laughs> they, I, Jake, Evans Island. What do you, do you guys have any theories about the big house that the big, the big mansion and the man in the house? Did they really get into that all too much? There was a kind of a discussion no, with I some. I don't really. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, I, I don't have any theories. It is, I think the, one of the big characters we saw there was, um, oh, I forget the girl who tried to hang herself's name, but her father was doing stuff at mm-hmm. that big mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were out, so he was outside talking about, you know, yeah, the guy, the man in the big house, and he's very upset with like how he's running things, I guess, on this, on this island. Um, Jake, what did you think about this? Yeah, I'm right there with everyone else. I liked it quite a lot. It's also a high taste it for me. Um, I thought the cinematography was really great. I, I loved the overhead shots of the causeway itself, both seeing it completely sunk under the water and when it kind of, yeah. you know, comes out. I thought that looked really fucking awesome. Um, I got some serious lost vibes from this show too, between the, uh, lots of shots in the woods, the whispering voice stuff going on whenever Jude Law's character was in the woods. Um, just the weird village and the weird shenanigans going on that no one seems to want to bring to the surface quite yet vibe going on. Um, and I thought the ending was super intriguing too. And I, I'm still not sure if it's a 
Jude Law knew that was there the entire time, or B, he's he absolutely forgot it was there. I was just as surprised as the audience as to what he found in his truck. Well, they, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they keep saying like, um, and this doesn't go about, this doesn't go into like what you're saying about like the very end of the episode, what he finds in the truck, but it's, it's more of like everybody on this, not everybody, but the, the one woman that is the wife of the, of the pub, owner yes yes she was my favorite character. Patty Considine. <laughs> she was in chernobyl and she's fantastic oh that was her yeah, yeah but okay. she yeah. she keeps saying like she recognizes him like oh and oh because of the news stuff but i kept feeling like there's people that are that are saying like he's been there before like right or am i yes, and i think he I, yeah. I think he has um Gosh, I'm trying to remember the the pub owner's wife kind of confirms like they kind of confirm with each other that he does know what she's talking about because he says that was a very long time ago. And yeah. it does seem to kind of click into him why she would know who he was. Yeah, I'll give it a high tasted as well. I, I mean, like I it's got me so it's like there's parts of me that just want to say, like, I was so intrigued and so lost in, in the mystery that that I loved it so much. And I hate to give it a high taste it based on, on like how much I really enjoyed watching this because I hate saying like, Oh, who knows how it's going to end and how it's going to land. Is it going to, is it going to stick the landing? It, it just, it has enough for me to stay invested. Um, but, uh, I'll give it a high taste it overall because there is a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense right now. And I think like that is one of the main reasons I want to keep watching, but it's super intriguing. Um, Jake, you talked to me about this. I knew that this was going to be broken into two parts, but apparently it's this, this is going to be broken into three parts. Yeah. There's three seasons and the middle section is a 12 hour live theatrical play. That's going to be aired what? live on Sky Network before it's aired in the U.S. on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. 12 hour. It's described as a immersive, interactive, theatrical play. And it features all the core cast from the show. So like Jude Law himself will be part of this 12 hour whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand if it's like bridging the two stories here we go alec let me what the fuck's going on this is what i found out the production will be split into three parts with three interconnected stories the first is called summer directed by mark munden will follow sam a man drawn to a mysterious island off the english coast where he encounters a group of islanders set on preserving their traditions at any cost the second part of the production titled autumn will be told during a one-off live event in London after the summer section of the show has been broadcast. Described by the producers of the show as a major immersive theater event, the live segment of the show will air in one continuous take and is intended to allow followers of the third day to, quote, inhabit the story as it happens. It will feature Jude Law and other members of the series cast, the third part of the series, titled Winter, directed by Philippa Lothorpe, follows Helen, played by Naomi Harris, a strong-willed outsider who comes to the island seeking answers, but whose arrival precipitates a fractious battle to decide its fate. 
I, <sighs> so bizarre. Yeah. Now, one of the, one of the reasons that I knew clear. this was an original screenplay is because I read that the creators actually came up with the, the concept of doing two miniseries bridged by a theatrical play before they even came up with what the plot would be. Mm. That, that presentation kind of dictated the story they wrote in the first place. So it was a, it sounds like a gimmick. Right? <laughs> it started off yeah, as a they, gimmick. They came, they came up with the gimmick first, apparently. Yeah. And then yeah. wrote the story around that. Do you see that Brad Pitt's an executive producer on this? I did yeah, see Yeah, it's that. Uh, Plan B, his uh, production company. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. He produces a lot. He does. He really does. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Like, I mean, I'm very intrigued and I'll check it out, but man, that's a lot of commitment. Like two, three episode miniseries, that's no big whoop. I want to see how this mystery ends, but a 12 hour theatrical broadcast, that's quite the commitment. You fuck that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. I'm wondering, can you just like dip in and check it out and dip out or do you have to sit there and watch the whole thing to get it? I don't know. I'm going to read the cliff notes on that one. <laughs> They need wow. timestamps. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Back to Brad Pitt, though. Did you guys see that he did a table read with yes. uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And it, no, I did not see that. Yeah, and like, uh, oh, God, I can't think of her name. From Friends. What's yeah, her Jennifer name? Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, his uh, ex-wife. Like, she, uh, it was the whole scene where she was Phoebe Cates' character and yeah, he was Judge yeah. Reinhold. Yeah. And she caught him masturbating oh, in the bathroom. Like they did a table read of like, I love those fucking tables. I wish that they would release those. I don't know if they do. Like they had one where it was like, they did a Ghostbusters table read and, and they had like, you know, young comedians, I think like Seth Rogen and all these other people doing it and shit. Jack Black might have been there, but God, like some of those sound really fucking good. There's the best part of that uh, was, um, go ahead, Neil. I was just gonna say, there's a bunch of Star Trek ones where uh, the guys who played Garrick and Bashir on Deep Space Nine are reading fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious! Because <laughs> there's, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Kristen. Sorry. I was just gonna say the best part of that uh, table read was Morgan Freeman narrating. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear about that. That's awesome. Yeah, he was narrating and talking about hard nipples and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me though to recommend this series now with this live theater event. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's like, it really kind of puts a sour stamp on the whole thing. Like that's yeah. a lot. Can you get away? I, it makes me wonder, like, can you get away? With just watching the first two parts of this series, is the second one necessary to 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 actually have the full experience? Like, because if I, I have to guess, I would think that this thing is just like a supplement, like a you know, like a like a comic book or something that comes out in addition to a movie or something. Okay, but the it has supplement is longer than both miniseries doubled. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's like when you read the novel and, you know, like that supplements the movie. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if you can watch just the first three Jude Law episodes and then check the fuck out. Cause that's where I'm at with it. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to finish and see where it goes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. This, I think the second episode is going to be kind of like make it or break it for me. Cause like now learning about this second part of the production, this, this live event, theater, this theater event kind of like sours me on this whole thing. And, and especially hearing from Jake that it started off as this fucking gimmick first. Yeah. Apparently this was supposed to happen back in March. Yeah. But because of COVID, they couldn't do the theatrical interlude part. So they had to push it back until now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Cause like, honestly, honestly, I, I, it's hard for me to recommend this. I, I, I jumped in and like, I'm in, I'm super intrigued, but like, as far as like telling everybody else, Oh, you've got to watch this knowing that there's going to be a 12 hour long fucking <laughs> play that you got to watch. That's immersive and all this shit. It's like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if, if it's, if it's worth it at this point. Yeah. Stick a pin in it. We'll come back to it and let you know if a, it sticks the landing and B all the yada, yada interlude stuff is worth it. Right. Um, we are who we are. This is, um, this premiered on HBO. It's a coming of age story set in an army base in Italy. The series follows two American 14 year olds named Fraser Wilson and, uh, Caitlin Harper. The cast includes Chloe Savigny, Jack Dylan Grazier, Alice Braga, Jordan Christine Seaman, Spencer Moore, and Scott Mascuti. This is from the director of the 2017 film Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guad, Guadagigno. I, Guad, I can't pronounce his name. I apologize. <laughs> Guadagnigno. I don't know. Um, but uh, I loved Call Me By Your Name. I thought it was uh, a lot of shifting going on. I'm going to blame Tristan. I'm going to blame yeah. Tristan. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, you fucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man, I know it. Um, but um, Jake, I know you didn't get a chance to watch this. Neil, Tristan, did you get a chance to watch We Are Who We Are? I did not. Tristan? I did not, no. Oh, Sorry. fuck. I'm the only one that watched this fucking thing. <laughs> I, I meant to. I saw the trailer and it, it looked pretty intriguing, but, um, didn't get around to it. Yeah. Um, I. What are we going to say? We are who we are. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, I honestly, like at that one week when you were on and I asked if you watched something and you kept saying, I did not. I did not. I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, I hope if Jake ever gets married and the person conducting like the service asks, Jake, I understand that you wrote your own vows. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Oh fuck. How how embarrassing. Anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, this, oh my God. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be for everybody, and they really haven't dipped into the other main character, this the female 14-year-old that's set in this. Chloe Savigny is like the new commander of this Italian uh, – of this American um, military base in Italy, and she's taking over – her son, as it's described within the episode, is very eccentric. And she, and they have, and he has, Chloe Savigny's character in the, in the military, she is in a relationship with another woman, 
Um, so this kid has two mothers and so it's, it's a big, people are talking about this on the military base and some of the people are talking about how the son is very eccentric and you can definitely see that he is while you're watching the episode. She lets him drink and some of the kids pick on him. Um, there's just, I was just like the entire episode. I'm just seeing something play out like a story play out with like super interesting characters that I have never seen anything like this before. This is 100% engaging in my opinion. I, I fucking absolutely love the first episode of we are who we are. So there's, there's nothing. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this with the cast of characters that we have here. And, um, it, the 14 year old boy, I think he's, he keeps talking about like a friend or maybe his first love. This, I don't know if it's a, a, some, somebody named Mark and, and I don't know if he actually had a real relationship with this Mark or it's just somebody that he was kind of obsessed with when he was back in New York. But, um, I'm, I'm in on this one. I, it's, I think it's just a mini series. I don't know how many episodes it's going to go for this first season. I didn't really look into it, but I'm here for this one. It, it is pretty wild. So I highly recommend it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Um, we are who we are on HBO. I know I did a terrible job kind of explaining this one, but I kind of figured somebody <laughs> else would watch it, but, uh, nobody did. So. Thank you, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> Got your back. Man. Oh man. Yeah. Ratchet on Netflix. Did, who Jake, I know you watched Ratchet. I watched the first two episodes. Did anybody else get a chance to see any of uh Ratchet on Netflix? Yeah, I watched the first two as well. I saw the first uh pilot. Okay, yeah. So we got uh, Ratchet on Netflix. I don't even have the synopsis pulled up. Uh, in 1947, Mildred Ratched begins working as a nurse at a leading psychiatric hospital, but beneath her stylish exterior lurks a growing darkness. This is, uh, it's a Ryan Murphy show. Ryan Murphy does American Horror Story. Um, this is one, this is one of his, uh, you know, he did that deal with Netflix. And, um, this comes from, the character comes from, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I love that movie, Jack Nicholson. And this is a, a younger, we're supposed to be getting a younger Nurse Ratchet, kind of like an origin story of that character in this. Um, oh, fun fact. You'll like this iTunes reviewer. <laughs> fun fact. Um, Sarah Paulson, who's playing Nurse Ratchet, is actually four years older in this in real life playing the character than the uh the actor that played uh Nurse Ratchet in uh One Flew Over Louise the Louise Fletcher? Yeah, wow. Louise Fletcher. She's actually 4 years old. I don't know like like do, I if you look at Louise Fletcher in One Flew she doesn't look old in my opinion. She doesn't look she's no. she doesn't look super old. So I I think that Ryan Murphy just really enjoys working. They could have cast somebody younger. I just think he really enjoys working with um Sarah Paulson and kind of Sarah like Paulson, yeah. wanted to Can give her <laughs> no, not at all. Like, but I yeah. think, I think like one of the She's reasons, well, I mean, I think like she, she could move on from Ryan Murphy stuff in my opinion and start 
being in, in movies. I mean, she was barely in Bird Box with, um, uh, Sandra Bullock, but I mean, I think she could, I think she could move on from Ryan Murphy and be fine. She was in the Oceans, what was it? Oceans 8? Was that the movie? Oceans oh, the, the all women prequel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it, was that Oceans 8? I can't remember the title of that one. Oceans 8, yeah. Yeah, she was in Oceans 8. She was one of the women in that. I mean, I mean, so she's done some other things. I feel like this, what brought her back is probably being able to do this character and then also being like the yeah. main lead in this series as opposed to like, I know a lot of this stuff is kind of like ensemble cast stuff, but she is like the main character in this. That's who we're really following here. Yeah, she's the title character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've watched the first two episodes and I'm very kind of like, Ryan Murphy stuff is very hit and miss with me. I loved the first season of American Horror Story and then I was out on the second season. I was like out. And I come back and I watch, you know, you know, like Freak Show and all this shit and, and some of it like, I don't know. I don't think he's ever been as good as he was in that first season of American Horror Story. He's done some other shows that I found were good, but I don't know if I always stuck with him. I might watch a few episodes and then drop off. Um, and I don't know. This is, um, I'll give this one a taste it. I mean, I think Sarah Paulson's fantastic in it, but I don't know if this is a story that we necessarily need. Um, and man, I have to look away a lot because, you know, if you've watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and you're familiar with the lobotomy scenes and they start talking about trepanning and trepanation and all that shit where they're drilling holes in people's skulls and using ice picks to give them lobotomies, like I have to look away sometimes. That shit kind of fucks with me. So um I don't know. Jake, what did you think about this one? Yeah, for me, this was a toss it. Um I don't think it's bad. It's not my usual reason for tossing something where I think it's bad acting or bad quality or bad story. I, I'm a lot there right with you, Brian. I The psychiatric hospital stuff just always kind of gives me a feeling that I don't enjoy. I also did not like the second season of American Horror Story, um, a lot of it because it was that thematic as well. Yep. And then, you yeah. know, on season three when we went to and did the witches stuff, that's probably my favorite season. So, yeah, I don't, this isn't just isn't for me. Um, I didn't make the connection that this was the same character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And that, like, when you said that, my brain just went ding. And that makes a lot more sense. And, and I kind of see what they're doing. But, yeah, this show just isn't for me. I watched one episode, and I'll probably never watch anymore. Neil. Yeah, I had the exact opposite reaction. Um, I was actually in a production of One Flew of the Food Nest at Center of Junior College. Um, so I have a pretty deep tie to the, to the material. And I was impressed with the production of, of this, the sets, the lighting, the, the costumes, the sound design. It's all so gorgeous. And the word that kept coming to my mind was sumptuous. Like it just, it just felt I don't know, just so rich with, with the colors and the, and just the richest of, of everything. The cast is phenomenal. Um, I, I really like the, the Hitchcockian air of menace that's kind of pervasive throughout the series. I, I never watched American Horror Story, any of it, 
so I don't really know Ryan Murphy's stuff at all. Um, there's a scene in episode two where they go to the women's bar, and I swear it is the Rio Nito Roadhouse about half an hour away from where I live. It looks exactly the same. If it's it, it, it very well, might be. I'm, I'm going to Tupperware this. Uh, I am totally in. I love this character. I love Sarah Paulson, and yeah, I, I'm all in on this one. When you say Hitchcockian, you're absolutely right there, and, and a lot is pulled from Hitchcock. They um, in episode two, you actually hear music. Mm-hmm. From Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest in that, in, and in, 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 in the first, in the first episode, um, uh, there's music from Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, and also in episode one, they use, uh, music from the soundtrack of the film Psycho, which Brandon Olson did not win this week. Uh, but <laughs> you can hear that, you can hear that in that first episode as the priests return from the movies in that scene. But yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of Hitchcock, uh, kind of, uh, love, um, in this one, Easter eggs, things like that. Tristan, you, you saw this as well? The pilot yeah. episode? Just the first episode. Yeah. yeah. Disappointed, Brian. I thought you were going to tie Hitchcock into, uh, Chris Evans. Oh, missed opportunity. Oh my God. Tristan, man, you, you got, you're keeping me sharp, man. You're keeping me sharp. You're, yeah. Keeping me accountable too. Keeping me accountable. I like it. <laughs> well, yeah, I watched the first episode. Um, you know, it had an explosive beginning. Uh, that was pretty eye opening, draw, jaw dropping. I was engaged and, you know, I, I haven't watched the American Horror Story uh, series, but I am familiar with the aesthetic, and it looked very similar to that. Love the colors, how they popped, the costumes, the production design. Uh, all that was really cool. Um, but I, after this first episode, I can't really say that I really give a fuck what happens to this lady or where she goes. It just seems like she's fully formed, and she's just already diabolical and evil. And a lot of times when you deal with these reprehensible characters, they need to be humanized early on so that you can have some empathy for them. And I really just kind of just saw her as just being kind of fucked up to begin with. And it's not fair for me to really rate it um, in its entirety because I only saw the first episode and I don't know where it goes. But just based on the first episode, I'm just going to give it a middle of the road taste it because it was I was engaged, but I just didn't really feel like I, I need to see this through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, and can I, let me throw this out there and I'd be interested. Have, have any of you watched any of the old NBC series Hannibal, which I did not, which I think like that's, uh, Mads Mickelson's, uh, it's kind of like a, a I guess, uh, an origin story of Hannibal. Have any of you watched that? I know that was a yeah. big, no. Yeah, I watched the first season of that. Does is 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 this kind of like what Ryan Murphy's doing here with with Nurse Ratched? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. that. That's a good connection to draw. It's a, it's a very similar idea of you're, you're taking this well established character and providing a little more of a backstory to that character where they're already at a point where they've started down the left hand path. Yeah. yeah. 
But um, similar to Jake, like I, I didn't see too many similarities between this Nurse Ratchet and the Nurse Ratchet in Cuckoo's Nest. Like she just seemed much more evil in this. And I, I, I didn't see if you didn't tell me this was tied into that, I would have never made that connection. I think I think you got Ryan Murphy just trying to sensationalize it a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sharon, I really did like, you know, Sharon, Sharon, hold on. Sharon Stone is in this series. I haven't gotten to her episodes yet. Yeah. Sharon Stone is in this series. She haven't seen her forever. She's still doing stuff. I just haven't, I haven't seen her. I I haven't gotten that far yet. I don't know. She plays, well, she plays a character named Lenore, I believe. What were you saying, Jake? I apologize. Oh, one thing I really did like in this show was the side-by-side panel technique that they were using. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really clever and, and done well. I like it when shows do that. Who is so, it? Who's not for me. Who's the Dr. Hanover? Mm-hmm. Doesn't he look like uh, the the artist Jim Lee, comic book artist Jim Lee? Yeah, totally I see does. it. I see it. <laughs> yeah, like an older version, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jim Lee's older now too. Oh, I guess I'm just pretty old. Oh yeah, I'm just kind of. I guess I see this image of him in like the baseball cap, like from 20 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's a little older now. <laughs> Wizard Magazine number two. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I, I I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue with episode three and see how this goes. But, um, yeah, the, I'll, I'll give it a taste it right now that could go up or could, it definitely could go down. It definitely, I'm very, um, Ryan Murphy's very hit and miss with me. So yeah, we'll see where this goes. Um, the devil. Hey, all, oh, go ahead. Hey, Neil, who did you play in Cuckoo's Nest? I played one of the uh, crazy guys, uh, Scanlon. It was played by uh, Christopher Lloyd. Movie. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. The Devil All the Time. Uh, we'll talk about this one and then we'll take a break. But The Devil All the Time, this dropped on Netflix Wednesday. And um, in Knock'em Stiff, Ohio, in its neighboring backwoods, sinister characters, an unholy preacher, twisted couple, and a crooked sheriff converge around young Arvin Russell as he fights the evil forces that threaten him and his family, spanning the time between World War II and the Vietnam War, director Antonio Campos, the devil all the time renders a seductive and horrific landscape that pits the just against the corrupted. It's based on Donald Ray, Donald Ray Pollock's 2011 novel, The Devil All the Time. Uh, and... It's led by, we've got Tom Holland, Sebastian Stan, so uh, Robert Pattinson. So right there we've got Spider-Man, <laughs> the Winter Soldier, and Batman. Also joining them is Mia Wasikowska, uh, Bill Skarsgård from It, Haley Bennett, Jason Clark, uh, Riley Keough, uh, and Eliza Scanlon. She was, wasn't that Pretty Little Lies that she was in? Was that what she was in? Or uh, Sharp Objects. There you go. Eliza Scan. She was in. You're what sharp objects. Yeah, it was sharp objects. I, I, objects. I can't, I, 
those HBO shows, I fucking, I confuse them all the fucking time. <laughs> oh, she was also in Little Pretty Women. Little Fires. Yeah, you, oh, pretty, yeah, the little, little lies, and that was on. That was on. <laughs> did you say pretty little fires? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was. I get it, them. I get them confused all the time. It was little fires everywhere, and that's on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of little fires everywhere, how are you guys holding up in fucking California? Uh, oh, we we're talking about that earlier. Yeah, um, it's yeah. pretty clear down here, but um, I think it's still pretty bad up there, right, Neil? Uh, where we, where I am, it's not too bad right now. Uh, we had in the, over the, about a month ago is when it was really, really bad and got within about five miles of where I live. And it was, you know, it's every time this happens, which is, this is the third time in the past four years, it's real scary. Um, but you know, we just have to deal with it. <laughs> Jesus. Those damn gender reveal parties. No, right. Well, the ones up by me were caused by lightning, which yeah, I guess could be considered a gender reveal party. I don't fucking know what that is. <laughs> the devil all the time. I, I, I watched this, and, and uh, it felt like it was like uh, the love child of uh, it, like Antonio Campos basically took the things that he loved from Scorsese. Tarantino and, Tarantino. and yeah. Stephen King and threw them all into mm-hmm. one movie. It felt, you know, like all three of those were kind of like, uh, you could see, you could see those, uh, those master directors kind of like at work here in, in this movie. Um, two hours, 18 minutes. I like this one quite a bit. <laughs> I, I like this one quite a bit. Um, I might even watch this one again. I, I God damn. I, it's not like it's hard. It's a hard watch because of the things that are happening in this movie. But I think everybody fucking kind of like nails. Their, you, their, you can't stop watching. It, right. right. Yes. Correct. Yes. You can't stop watching this one, man. It's like a, it's a, it's a Lay's potato chip of a movie. You can't just eat one. <laughs> you can't. Once, once you pop, you can't stop. Um, that's the Pringles. Anyway, I, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like we're like 30 minutes and a lot of this is just kind of like, uh, building up to like where this movie is going to take you. Like we go way back in time here. You know, we, we, Tom Holland's character is the main character of this movie, but I mean, it's almost like we get an episode zero or like a prequel story (laughs) (laughs) in this movie because it starts off with his father and this movie kind of like who's played by Bill Skarsgård and you see him in, in, in World War Two. you, you understand like, and a lot of this is very religious, gets into a lot of religion. And, um, just how people can, um, can prey on people, um, uh, you know, in the, in the religious community. I, I want to get your guys thoughts on this one. I'm going to give it, I'm just going to give it a Tupperware to start off and we'll unpack it a little bit more. But, um, cause I could not stop watching this. I just was, and I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a producer on this one. Oh, wow. But, I didn't uh, catch that. Neil, what did you think about the devil all the time? Yeah, um, I, I, I liked it. I, I definitely was very engaged the entire time I was watching it. Um, 
do have to say right off the top that uh, I screamed Dudley, Dur- Dudley Dursley out loud when I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dudley Dursley. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was pretty All funny. grown up. I, I, yeah, right. And uh, I, I think that Bill Skarsgård has the most range out of all these Skarsgårds that are out there. I, I still think Stellan is the best of them all, but Bill's pretty close. Um, as far as his children goes, it was really cool to see Tom Holland get, get all hardcore. I think that's a real good career step for him to kind of break him out of his Peter Parkerness. Uh, it's, I mean, Robert Pattinson, I, I've been on here before lauding him. Yeah. He was great. He was absolutely great as that awful, awful preacher. Um, it felt really self-indulgent to me at times. Um, like the pacing was a little bit slow for me. It seemed like because the acting was so goddamn good and the cinematography was so goddamn good, they lingered a little bit too long in a lot of the scenes. Um, I didn't think there was really point that they were trying to get across with this, which for me is a little bit of a problem, but I can see why it wouldn't be for anybody else. Um, I'll give it a taste it. Cause I really did enjoy it, but it just, it, I don't know. It just felt a little off to me. Like it, it was lacking a driving force, uh, plot wise, but the acting is absolutely phenomenal. If you want to watch these, mostly young actors giving it their all and really just <laughs> putting on clinics, it, it was, it was really, really good in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Melling, uh, Dudley Dursley. Well, he played a, he played a, a, like a, didn't he play like an evil tech villain in something that we reviewed? He was in Project Power. Project Power. No, it, was, it was in, uh, that one. Oh, no, 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 uh, no. The other one, the other Netflix film. Yeah, um, the, the Old Theron. Guard. Yeah, the Old Guard. The yeah, Old Guard. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All these Netflix movies just kind of blend together, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Jake, what'd you think about the devil all the time? Yeah, I, I mostly mirror what Neil says. I, I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't love it either. It's a middle of the road taste it. Um, I also found it kind of pointless, a bit meandering, and I was just full of so many disgusting people. It, like, 90 minutes in, I was just like, I hate everyone in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And like almost anyone that had a shred of decency in them got the worst fate possible. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it definitely kept my attention. I watched until the end. I would recommend watching this one time, but it's, it's nothing I'll ever revisit. I, yeah, it just cut a bunch of gross people and, a bunch of gross things happened to him. It was kind of lackluster for me. I had the same thought that you guys are like, who am I rooting for in this movie? Who am I, who am I rooting? And then I just thought, I guess Tom Holland. Yeah. But then I just was like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Do I I gotta fucking root for, do I have to fucking root for somebody in every fucking thing that I watch? Do I have to find somebody that I fucking relate to and that I root for in every fucking thing that I watch? Or could I just, or yeah, maybe, maybe shit's just fucked up, you know? And I just yeah. kind of got over it. No, that, that was just my experience watching this, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get it. It just made me feel a little bit too uncomfortable, I think, in a lot of scenes. 
Yeah. No, I t- dude, there's so many uncomfortable things that happen <laughs> in this fucking movie. And I'm not saying like, yeah, I fucking cheered. Like the, the part where his dad takes him out on that day, he, like he's getting bullied at school. Tom Holland's character when he's younger, getting bullied at school and shit like that, coming home with black eyes. And his dad takes him out and it's, later on he, he basically, you know, as he's, uh, talking about how, uh, so we're, the narrator in this one, <laughs> Is, is, is Neil's dog, correct? It's not my dog. <laughs> Whose dog was that? That's my, my dog. Oh, that's Tristan. So the narrator is Tristan's dog. No, um, so it's, is it, is it Tom Holland's character as an old man? I never understood who the narrator was. I well, thought we were going to get that reveal. The writer. The narrator is the writer? Yeah, the writer of the book. The narrator. Yeah. Well, that's fucking dumb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, like he, he, uh, Bill Skarsgård shows him kind of like how to handle bullies. And, uh, that whole scene where like he shows up and starts beating the shit out of those guys that were, you know, saying things to him and his son as they were praying out in the, out in the woods, talking about how they were going to go visit, you know, his wife and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, that whole scene reminded me of fucking Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. When Ray Liotta's character just fucking gets out of the car and beats the shit, just pistol whips that guy in the fucking face in the driveway. I was like, oh my God, that is so, that is so Scorsese what's happening right now. Like that's so good, <laughs> fellas. But then again, I was just like, yeah, I wanted to see those guys get their fucking heads knocked in. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I fucking, I fucking dug that scene. What do you think, Tristan? I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I, I gave it a high tasted because um, I really I didn't love this film, but I, I liked it a lot. I just didn't know kind of where it was going. And at the end of the film, I, I just didn't know what the purpose was. But it's like I enjoyed the ride. You know, it's like having like a, a front seat um, viewing of just these fucked up people. And I was kind of wondering what was the goal here. Um, but at the same time, you know, I couldn't look away and I wasn't looking at the time or anything. I was, I was engaged the entire time. And as you guys mentioned, I didn't know who to root for. I guess the closest would be maybe Tom Holland because he wasn't like, it seemed like everyone was a devil in this for the most part, with the exception of a few key characters. And Tom Holland was just more like a victim of childhood trauma. And you kind of rooted for him because he wasn't like inherently evil or anything like that, but everyone else just seemed really fucked up. Seemed like it was a commentary on, uh, um, religious extremism because, you know, it's just showing yeah. how people can just be really fucked up when they believe in something a little too strongly and impose that on others. And, uh, and how you, you know, can, how, was, how easily it is to twist religion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's kind of like what I got. I, I, you know, like I grew up in the church and stuff like that. And I've seen like, I've seen like, you know, people that people in, in my church that kind of like, I guess like, you know, like a huge fucking fall from grace where like they're exposed for like the, you know, pieces of shit that they are. I've seen, uh, uh, you know, leaders of mega churches get, uh, you know, fucking taken down for sex trafficking, you know? Oh yeah. And, um, and, and so, you know, it kind of like, 
I, that's what I kind of thought, like what the message was here was like all these people were, you know, misconstruing maybe some of these teachings for their own fucking, you know, uh, their own purposes, which was, was fucked up. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't just the preachers either. I mean, even like, um, Tom Holland's dad character was oh, very yeah. much in that same boat. T- totally. Like the scene yeah. with, with, the, with the dog and, and, and oh, I hated that scene and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Um, but overall, you know, I, I did enjoy it. And, uh, as you mentioned, you know, it was very Tarantino-esque, um, as well as Scorsese and the fact that like no one was really safe in this movie and you just didn't know who was going to go and who yeah. was going to survive. And they had these really, these, this great cast of actors, um, and they would be here one minute and killed the next. It was insane. And I've never seen so many Southern Americans played by European and Australian actors. <laughs> right? Oh, my, yeah. I just, I really enjoyed like how it went over like the different generations and then how all the stories kind of intertwined. And there's a climax where it just kind of, like, that's, I was just kind of like yeah. fascinated with that. Like we were, we're following, you know, Jason Clark's character and what he's doing and then, how everything kind of like intertwined with that. And then the person that he's married to was, you know, the sister of the the brother that's the sheriff. And then all these things just kind of fucking intertwine and happen. And that just really kept my interest. And even though like it's super fucking dark and super depressing, I was still, I was still like in the movie, very bad things. I love that movie, but like, who are you really rooting for in that fucking movie? It's just the title basically tells you what you're going to be watching. You're going to be watching very bad things. And this one is basically telling you like throughout this entire movie, you're seeing all these, you know, religion, people that are like, you know, using uh, that are into religion, but it, it's really what we're watching is the devil all the time. So yeah. I yeah. laughed a bunch at very bad things though. I maybe I'm a sicko there, but I thought it was like the dark comedy was oh, very it is. Face and present. And that's one thing I thought was kind of missing from this. Like there was very very few moments of levity that were either charming or in any way funny. Like I, I really never had those emotions at all in this movie. My only, my only point in bringing that up is like, who are you really rooting for in very bad things? I, it had nothing to do with like the comedy yeah, aspect. Yeah. I got you. I, I think I was just rooting for people to die. Like <laughs> well, yeah, you, I'm surprised you didn't Tupperware it. <laughs> Mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Jesus. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so much hanging this week on, on the shows we watch. Wow. A lot of hanging. Yeah. A oh lot of hanging. God. Hey, uh, and you can tie that into Chris Evans too. I know. Hang out with your wing oh, out. Shit. <laughs> so much hanging. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and come back and uh, finish uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop. We'll be right back. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. 
one day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Danim yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we're back. Uh, I watched... I watched the first two episodes of Challenger, the final flight on Netflix. Did anybody get a chance to watch any of this? Mm-mm. I watched all of it. Oh, wow. I, wow. I watched the first two as well. Yeah. Um, it's a four part docuseries on the 1986 Challenger space shuttle disaster, unpacking an indelible moment for a generation of Americans. And, um, First off, I'm going to just basically say that I remember this event. I remember um, January 28th, 1986. I was not in a classroom watching this like most kids were. I was actually at the dentist office. I had a dentist appointment, so I left school early that day. And I was at the dentist office watching this in the, in the, in, in, in the dentist office. And, um, I was probably getting like a fluoride treatment while this happened, but <laughs> there you go. Fun fact for our, <laughs> for our, what flavor of fluoride did you choose? Grape. Um, yeah, yeah. Bubble gum was not out yet. I think that was the next year. So I think I was rocking grape anyway. Um, but, uh, I remember when this happened and just, I wanted to be like when I was a little kid, like really little, I wanted to be an astronaut. And then seeing this, I was like, well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this like, uh, this documentary, it really breaks it down. I'm definitely, I'm Tupper wearing this, the first two episodes. Um, it really has dived into r- really what I want them to, to talk about here is, you know, they're breaking everything down, how this mission came about. Uh, they're talking about, you know, like what happened. Uh, they're getting to the point of like what happened. Why did this happen? Why did the Challenger blow up a minute and a half into its launch? And then they're, they, in the second episode, they really dove into, uh, Krista McAuliffe, the, the teacher, the first civilian that they were going to take to outer space. And I remember that that was probably the biggest story coming out of this back in 1986 after, you know, it, well, even before it exploded is, you know, they're, they're taking up a, a teacher and, um, and it, during the second episode, all I could really think about was like, they, they, they had the, there was the backup, the backup teacher. So if Krista McAuliffe couldn't make the mission, there was a backup and you, you know that there, she has thought to herself, thank God I wasn't picked. You know she had yeah. to have. You know she had to have. Like, yeah, it's, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, but um, fun fact: she ends up going into space later. 
Don't so oh, cool. Don't spoil it for me. No kidding. I I didn't know. That. <laughs> I'm 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 finishing this. I Tupperware this. I I I've always been fascinated by you know anything space related and and um, you know space race all that stuff and I think that this has just done a fantastic job of letting you know uh, about uh, the different people in the crew. And definitely that second episode getting into Krista McAuliffe. I, I, there's a lot of things that I really wanted to know about her and I really dove into her as a person. I just remember as a kid watching after she passed away, after she, after she died, like they had, they brought her kids on TV and they were talking about, you know, and they were still young, super young talking about their mother. And I guess they tried to stay positive while they were saying stuff on the, on TV, but it was just heartbreaking. Especially knowing in the documentary now how the daughter didn't want her mom to go up. Yeah. And seeing the daughter hug her mom in some of the video clips and stuff like that. Just fucking heartbreaking. It's just like somebody so incredible and so awesome was taken from us. And because of, because of negligence, which, you know, they really get into like how this, how this happened and how NASA had so many close calls, especially like with this, this O-ring and the fuel and, and how easily this could happen. And it's, it's, it's kind of maddening. Tristan. Yeah. Talk about this one. Yeah. Tupperware for me as well. Um, I'm a big history buff. I didn't know too much about the challenger except the fact that, you know, it was a, a failed, uh, shuttle launch. I was only four at the time. So I didn't, I don't remember this. I was probably doing something fucking stupid, like watching the Smurfs or some shit, but like, it's something that I read about knew the, the fact that this was the teacher flight. Everyone was talking about how this was a civilian going into space and it all happened because NASA was trying to build interest into the space program. And the way that they build interest was by telling people, Hey, like we're going to build this space shuttle and even you can go into space type thing, you know, and people kind of felt like you didn't have to be an astronaut to go into space. They could, you know, you could just be chosen and be a civilian. And this was just a big deal. And I was watching all four episodes just glued to it. And it really goes into the lives of these astronauts and the teacher and, and talks to their, their significant others and family. And, and you, it shows a lot of footage of, of them preparing and, and they're just so happy and joking. You can just see in their faces, like they're so, they're not scared or anything. Cause you know, they, NASA has this under control. No one's worried about something going wrong. I'm sure. Cause you know, it's like the best space program in the world, but th- there's this O-ring issue that I didn't know about. I didn't know that they knew in advance that this shit was faulty. Like, I always thought this was just some big accident, but the documentary shows you how NASA, key people in NASA knew this is a problem. And there are people saying, don't launch, like, don't do it. And there are others who are having too much pride saying, well, we are scheduled to, to launch and people are depending on this. So let's go ahead anyway, you know, which I will never understand. I don't know if it was a Cold War thing because we we're so you know, uh, engaged in, in this whole cold war shit with Russia or the, um, the Soviet union. But yeah, it was, it was mind boggling how negligent they were. This wasn't just some accident. Yeah. 
they, it was also, they were being threatened to have their funding pulled. Yeah. So they were worried about continuing to get money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, how much fucking funding are you going to get when the shit blows up? You know, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't get why the logic behind that. And, you know, it was a, it was just a, a very well put together documentary that, that told the stories of these brave men and women. And, you know, NASA was promoting diversity. There was, you know, um, a black astronaut, a, an Asian astronaut, two women. And this is like the fucking flight that our launch that, uh, goes wrong, you know? And it was an embarrassment for us. It was a tragedy for, for the families. I, I could just imagine what people felt that day. You can just feel it through the screen that this is just a national tragedy because stuff like this didn't happen to American astronauts. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. There were 10,000 teachers that applied, like Brian was saying, the one that got, that was the backup. I mean, imagine how she's feeling mm. knowing that she she was the one that's supposed to be on that flight and she didn't go. But, you know, as I mentioned, like, I would think that she would never want to fucking step foot in NASA again. But she stuck with the program after that. Wow. And and that's and, and all the 10,000 teachers that were vying for this position. I mean, just imagine how they feel seeing that shit blow up like that. And there's one part, um, it's, it's not a spoiler or anything, but in the last episode, or actually the third episode before they launch, there's, they're having trouble getting the, the, the door to close on the <laughs> shuttle. And there's like three guys on camera and the whole world's watching and they're like hammering at this boat trying to get the door to close. And one guy comments and says it looked like it was like an episode of the Three Stooges. Like that's, like this is like the NASA space program. There's, billions of dollars behind this and they were not ready to do this shit yeah and it's very emotional it's a it's just a great history lesson and um it's a great uh i guess uh dedication to the people that lost their lives so a tough word for me yeah neil yeah um like tristan i was i was too young to remember this i was not quite three when this happened um i remember hearing about it later on of course and I was always intrigued as to, as to why this happened. And the first two episodes I've seen, uh, it's total top where I'm going to finish this out for sure. This is fantastically done. Um, I love seeing Michelle Nichols in that vintage NASA ad. Um, <laughs> and then also Peter Billingsley as the, uh, the kid liaison. Um, that was, that was fun, but. This, this story is so tragic and there's so many people at fault for so many different reasons. And it's really fascinating to, to go into that, um, and, and to get the real story. And this is excellently made. It gave me a lot of, um, memories of when I watched that mini series on HBO, uh, from the earth to the moon. Um, which was that a Tom Hanks or a Ron Howard? Do you guys know? Uh, Tom Hanks was an exec producer on that, I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think Spielberg remind- was as well. Mm, yeah, I mean that was a great, great little mini series, and it, you know, seeing all the people involved in this and all how intricate all of this is, and how one little thing going wrong can just completely destroy everything. It, it's very fascinating. It's super well done. Total Tupperware. I will be finishing it as soon as I have time. 
Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I can't wait to finish this one. And I think it's, um, I think it's a great way to kind of like remember these people that gave their lives on this mission, you know, and it's, yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad because it, you know, I, it made me think of like, if all these things, if they would have just been like, you know what, we're not ready to launch. Let's, let's delay this for two years or just not go up. You know, these, maybe, maybe Chris McAuliffe would have been able to go and, into outer space and come back and come back with a smile on her face and, and, um, tell everybody what, what she experienced. But instead we'll never, you know, the world will never know that we'll just remember watching as a nation. And, you know, it's like, for me, like, this is like the first thing that I remember watching on TV. That was like a huge disaster. I was eight years old when this happened. And I'll never forget it, like watching this shuttle go up and then something like happened and, and, and then hearing like, you know, the people in the office saying like it exploded, it exploded. I, I just couldn't believe it. So there's this, uh, scene and, uh, uh, I think it's the third episode where, uh, a civilian was, uh, taking a, a video of the launch and I guess he lives down there. So he's seen these launches before and he's like, Yep, there it goes, there it goes. He's like, wait, something's wrong. Oh, something's wrong, something's wrong. I mean, like, it was, <laughs> like, you, it was just like, I mean, you could just put yourself in that position and, and feel what people were feeling at that time. Like, mm-hmm. this is not supposed to happen. Wow. Yeah, especially the people that have seen it before and they just, something looked different, you know? Something yeah, because you can see it break off into two and he's like, yes. oh, that must be the, rocket launcher uh, blasting off and he's like trying to justify it <laughs> and then he's like wait there two pieces are going towards the ocean something's wrong you know terrible man it was terrible um i watched um yeah i just i, re- I remember they kept showing it over and over and over again on tv the explosion it was like you know like it, it you know, and then of course we all remember what happened on nine eleven, and then having to watch that over and over again—it's just heartbreaking. So, yeah, um, I watched the first four episodes. It's a seven-episode anime. I've watched the first four. It's called Dragon's Dogma, and it's an anime based on story elements from the Capcom video game of the same name. Uh, it tells the story of Ethan, whose village is destroyed by a powerful dragon. Ethan does not die in this attack, but wakes up as an arisen, a man whose heart is stolen by the dragon and who is destined to defeat him in his own lair. Every episode of this is titled after one of the deadly, uh, of the, one of the seven deadly sins. And I, uh, did anybody else get a chance? I, Jake, I know you didn't, but Tristan, uh, Neil, did you get a chance to watch any of this? I saw the first episode. Same. I watched the first four. I want to know what you guys think. What did you guys think about this for the first episode of uh, Dragon's Dogma? Neil. I, um, I'm not a big anime person in general, but I, I, I was, you know, willing to give it a, a shot because I do like, I do like like Afro, Afro Samurai and Akira and Cowboy Bebop and Robotech. Um, but it's never been like my preferred style of storytelling. Um, the dialogue definitely felt really stilted to me. Uh, <laughs> the opening scene, <laughs> all I could think was, uh, is Thanos in this? 
uh, when what's her name <laughs> <laughs> like blew into ashes. Um, I, I I do appreciate the artistry in in anime. I, I think it's mostly beautiful animation. I, I didn't like the way the dragon looked. It didn't seem to fit with the rest of what was being shown on screen. I mean, I'll give it a taste. It. Uh, I'm, I probably won't continue watching it because, again, it's, it's just not really my thing. Tristan. <laughs> Give it a taste it as well. Um, I don't have any tie to the uh, the game, the Capcom game. Um, I'm not familiar with that property, but um, the animation was gorgeous. I thought the opening credit scene was pretty cool. Um, the main guy was shredded as fuck like Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, he's yeah, he's on the cover of uh, this month's uh, Men's Health magazine. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> where is he? The tagline: Guard that pussy. Tagline: Guard that pussy. <laughs> Seven ways to fight fat. <laughs> the- <laughs> I guy had like not an ounce of fat on him. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, they have this cute little orphan kid, sound like Tom Holland. He's like, hello. And- well, let's go on an adventure, and you don't get attached <laughs> to that kid because you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, it was like I I enjoyed what I was seeing, and, and I'm going to watch maybe a couple more episodes and yeah. see if I it sticks with me. Yeah. Hey, the coast is clear. We're good. <laughs> and then <laughs> anyway, I. I, I I didn't play the video game. I didn't even know this was based on a video game until I did some research on it. And um I don't know if like the uh each episode he he kind of fights like a big boss and maybe these are bosses that you, you know, encounter in the video game. And Neil's right. The dragon does look different than the rest of the animation. Almost looks video game like. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, I uh I fucking love this show. <laughs> 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 oh man, I fucking love it. I give it a Tupperware, but I I mean I'm I you know, I, I enjoy anime. And um this is uh this has been a lot of fun for me. I love following this character and uh, I love the action sequences and uh and basically I love kind of like uh kind of like it, it reminds me of uh, of the crow in a way where you know loved ones that are close to him die and then he's given this he comes back as one of the arisen and he's joined by um someone who is she called a pawn yeah, pawn. Yeah, there's a, there's a female character that's his protector called a pawn. She uses a bow and arrow, flaming, a flaming arrows that she, she fires from this bow and she's a pawn that, that helps him on his journey. And as they're making their way to the dragon's lair within the mountain, they come across some, you know, other people that have been infected by the, by the dragon or, or other things that, that they're just kind of trying to set things right. You know, they get involved with other characters and, and um, I'm really enjoying the show. I, I'm, I'm, and and I don't know if it's it's not going to be for everybody, of course. But uh, I'm enjoying Dragon's Dogma. So yeah, that's on Netflix, and and you can watch that one if you like. If you're an anime, I highly recommend you at least give it, you know, one or two episodes. But yeah, Dragon's Dogma on Netflix. Get, uh, Jake, I know you watched the first episode of Departure on Peacock. Did you watch the first episode? Yes. I, I did as well. Did anybody get a chance to watch Departure? Anybody else get no. a Yes, I did. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's a high octane conspiracy series that follows the mystery of Flight 716 
a passenger plane that vanishes over the Atlantic Ocean. And this one stars um, Archie Punjabi and Christopher Plummer's in this one. Um, Archie Punjabi, she was in uh, most recently in Run, the Donald Gleason HBO show. And I've seen her in something else. I can't put my finger on it. But, uh, yeah, a plane goes missing over the Atlantic Ocean. We see what kind of happens at the beginning of this one. And, uh, I, uh, I fucking hated this show. Uh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> I, I was, can I, can, I, can I, mean, I jump in here? This is the worst thing I've watched for this podcast in probably the last two years. I, this was so what? bad. Go ahead. What, was what this did you Cluck say? from 2001? Yeah. I have no doubt if this aired on NBC proper, it wouldn't have made it past three episodes before being canceled. Um, the acting was pretty awful. The the mysteries had no weight whatsoever. And there was all these aha moments that were just like from jargon. Like she's like, well, maybe if you try to look at the blip this way, aha, that's where it landed. Like there's no sense of satisfaction for the viewer whatsoever as they figure out each new part of the mystery. And this was so fucking terrible. And I will, will in no way watch another episode of this. The the one guy, the the really young guy that's behind like the computer that was looking at the blips. Um, yes. I kept thinking, I was like, as I was watching, I was like, man, he looks like a really young John McEnroe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as like involved in the show as I got. Uh, Tristan, what did you think? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as Jake, but I gave it a low tasted. And that tasted is just because, um, I thought Archie Punjabi, the lead and Christopher, Christopher Plummer were, uh, you know, did some pretty good acting in it, but they're, they seemed out of place. Like it was like, I think Christopher Plummer didn't even know what show he was in. Like yeah. He, I, I'm shocked that you said Christopher <laughs> Plummer was act. I, I like Christopher Plummer, but he yeah. did not give a fuck here. Doesn't Christopher Plummer, doesn't he look like he's the guy who is like always like the backup to every fucking like, like he, like he, he was the backup to Dumbledore, but he was the backup to the backup to Dumbledore because the original Dumbledore died. They got another Dumbledore and then Christopher Plummer was the third choice as Dumbledore. And he, uh, and he looks like he would have been like the third choice for Gandalf too. You know what right. I mean? He looks like totally. Christopher and then, but he, then he gets this fucking gig for departure and, uh, oh, my, oh, my, I'm, I, I, I've departed. I've, I've, I've departed from this show. It's fucking terrible. I, I toss it as well. It's absolute, well, absolute garbage. I was, um, I'm wondering what was the appeal for Christopher Plummer too? Like, I mean, this Money. is not gonna. This is not gonna help his catalog <laughs> or his legacy or anything. And I was just thinking to myself, like, he's reading these lines, but like, I wonder if he even knows what the rest of the show is about, or if he just showed up and just read his lines. And, I mean, yeah, he's was, probably like, "Well, it's going to be on Peacock. No one's going to see it. I get a paycheck. <laughs> Can't hurt." Yeah, could have been money. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it seemed very dated. That fucking score was driving me insane. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, it just seemed like something that would have came out in the late nineties. Uh, it, like someone just didn't know how to make dramas in 2020. 
like they were just looking from like the, 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 the handbook of NBC late nineties. And it was really jarring for me because I don't watch a lot of uh, broadcast network shows and watching this, I was like, Oh fuck no. Like, like I'm sticking HBO and all that shit, man. This is crap. Oh my God. This is just low taste it, man. You're being way too generous with this shit. <laughs> That's so nice. That's so nice. <laughs> I thought the, I thought the opening scene was pretty cool, but it was just I don't know I don't know it, I, I'm not gonna watch it again. But it was I, I didn't like hate it to where I'm like toss this piece of shit like. But it was it was not something I would recommend to someone. I would say hey if you want to watch something, <laughs> here's something to watch. If you want to watch something, here's something I could say that about anything. <laughs> right. exactly. yeah. yeah, I would tell my grade school bullies to watch this show. That's about it. <laughs> this is absolute garbage. I, I tossed the fuck out of departure. Oh my god, Peacock! What the fuck are you doing? I feel, I feel like they're, they're just like they're. I don't. And this was like, wasn't this a joint production with Sky? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah, what the fuck? I didn't watch it. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, I pulled a playbook out of Ray's book, and I didn't watch this <laughs> shit, but I asked you guys to watch it. Jake, I mean, it was like triple as long. <laughs> Tristan, I know you watched it. Neil, did yeah, you watch yeah, yeah. any of it? I did. I watched uh, the first eight minutes of it, and I turned that shit off. Wow, that's uh, you, you got farther than Ray did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do not like the kidification of Jurassic Park. It is... What is it? What is it? What's this about, Tristan? What's going on in Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous? Are we, unless kids are getting eaten, I don't give a fuck. Well, here's the thing. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I give it, you know, I actually give it, um, a high tasted because I'm a big fan of just the Jurassic right. is, series. And, is Christopher Plummer in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go ahead this is a fun episode um um, anyways uh yeah so here's the thing i did not like the first episode at all like i thought it was like okay why are you having these kids with these they have these kids with like very distinct personalities like a like an 80s movie like everyone's so different and they don't get along and you have the nerd and the cool person and the it's rich It's the kid fucking and, breakfast you know? club. It's like exactly. a, it's like a John Hughes movie. Yeah, it was like this shitty breakfast club gathering of kids. And I'm like, okay, this kind of sucks. But I actually watched, I watched like, I think five episodes and it gets better. It actually does get better. And as the show goes along, the kids get closer and they kind of drop these caricatures that they're playing in the first episode so the there's like this douchey rich kid who just annoys the fuck out of me in the first episode but then all of a sudden they start getting closer and they start losing all these you know breakfast club qualities and and the cool fucking thing about this show is they fucking kill people wow i loved it like i I didn't expect it i thought it was going to be like a kidification of Jurassic park but but i think it's like the second or third episode all of a sudden, the dinosaurs just start murdering people. And I was like, okay, now this is fucking going somewhere. <laughs> like, this is, like, like I, I thought it was, cause the first couple of episodes is like, hey, let's 
let's uh let's depart from the group and and go explore on our own and get you know in some trouble and then you know fucking dinosaurs try to chase them and shit i was like okay the first two episodes that kind of sucked to me because i, I didn't want to see how stupid these kids were if they're just going to keep getting lost and and in trouble with dinosaurs but then all of a sudden like like every fucking jurassic movie like the the structure of the show falls apart the structure of the park falls apart um and they're in real danger and the thing i liked about it was that it really does look like you're there like it i mean not the graphics aren't the best it's not pixar quality but it's pretty good for a series and I thought that you, they really did a good job of utilizing various aspects of the park. And, and you do feel like this is like a Jurassic Park TV show. And, and I was so fucking happy that they didn't just TG this shit up. Like, like when that first fucking, um, dinosaur kills the fucking, uh, employee, I was so thrilled. Like I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Now this is fucking Jurassic Park. Like they just start fucking killing people. Oh my god! Right? When were were you fist pumping when Steve Irwin died? What the fuck is going on with you, Tristan? (laughs) I just just didn't want it. I just didn't want it to be like a Jurassic Park show where everyone survives and the kids learn a lesson at the end of every episode, and and no dinosaur like ever hurts anyone. Yeah. Like I thought that's what it was going to be. Right. But I mean, it, it delves into some pretty deep issues. The main kids father dies of cancer and and like you know it's a you know you really get to know why all the kids are the way they are and and they stop being these as i mentioned they stop being the breakfast club and they start kind of working together and stuff and they end up being on their own and and yeah i mean i hated the fact that the cgi i guess budget was so low that they wear the same fucking clothes every day but other than that like it was a like it gets better. I want to say around episode three or four. Like that's when it like kind of takes off. Wow! And you actually kind of got great. Yeah, but it's 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 you're not gonna hate it. I don't think the first episode I did not like at all, but I stuck with it for some reason and it got better. What are you rating? This, what are you rating <laughs> you this fucking thing? What are you rating this thing? I'm I'm like dying to know because like <laughs> it, it, I, I mean I, I have to rate it a, a, a um I'm gonna say a, a taste it for. Just like your average viewer, like if you're a big Jurassic Park fan, I would say high tasted. But if you just, you know, if you're just indifferent, I would just say a tasted. Um, the reason being is because I think people would enjoy this once they get to about the middle of the series or not, not the middle of the series, but about the third episode, I would say you really start enjoying it. Um, and if you're a Jurassic Park fan, I would think you would really enjoy this because, um, Dr. Wu is in it as well. Like they have the, the voice actor BD Wong in it. And they tie that into the story and, you know, they tie various dinosaurs from Jurassic World into this whole thing. It's like a continuation. That's great. Neil, you watched one hour, eight minutes of the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like one Jurassic Park movie and that's the first one. Um, so I, I gave this a shot. The animation from the get go was like, yeah, this is, oh boy. This is like some CD-ROM video game <laughs> from the late '90s. Um, it, it, it was, yeah, it was ugly and it was dumb, and I, I had no interest in continuing to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was a fan of the original novel before I ever even saw the fucking movie. Yeah. So, like, that was that's my tame down Jurassic Park is the first movie, and. The way the series has gone since has just 
I haven't liked any of the following films. So yeah, this was going to be a hard sell for me from the very get go, and it did not do that at all. Oh, I love, I love, I love your your assessment. It was ugly and it was dumb. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. uh, Tristan, you kind of got me wanting to watch this now. To be quite honest, well, it's not with a you. big commitment. Like, watch like watch two episodes, and if you s- still think it's just crap, like drop off it. Okay, yeah, I might be checking out uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. <laughs> I'm telling I'm you, the, ri- the rich kid is start annoying. On episode three, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the rich kid is annoying as fuck, and that's why I was, you know, it's just hard to get through. But then he kind of tones down after a while, you know. Um, and so, like, I think if you started at episode three, you'd probably be fine. You'd probably be okay. All right, yeah, that's Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> let me. Um, Neil, I want you to talk about, uh, I know you wanted to talk about the Dune trailer. Yeah. Did anybody else see this? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I haven't been this excited for a movie since I heard about Deadpool being made. Um, I, I am a huge fan of the source material. I've read all six of Frank Herbert's books. Uh, I've read quite a few of the, the prequel books, the, the Valerian G had that his son and, and Brian, was Brian J. Anderson who did that. Yes. Um, and so I love this storyline. I love this world. Um, I actually own the children of Dune sci-fi miniseries on DVD um, with our fucking professor X as our young professor X, James McAvoy in the role of Duke Leto Atreides, the, th- the second, the God Emperor Dune. Um, but this trailer brought me to fucking tears. Just how absolutely beautiful everything looks. Uh, I, I've since learned that there were only, that Timothy Chalamet was only involved in like two green screen scenes. The rest is all on location or on these huge sets. Uh, the casting is fucking phenomenal um and and yeah everything about this this is the perfect denis villeneuve movie it it looks so fucking good well roger roger deakins is the cinematographer teaming back up with him they worked on sicario Um, together and they also worked on blade runner 2049 yeah it, it is it is gorgeous, and I think that every casting choice that they made was absolutely pitch perfect. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's this is I'm, I'm really having a hard time keeping my expectations low because this trailer is just so fucking phenomenal. We have a and it, we have a bearded Oscar Isaac and a beardless Jason Momoa. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it looks so good. Rebecca Ferguson is perfect as Lady Jessica. I mean, every single character is cast perfectly on paper, at least. Um, And then I I have watched quite a few of the, like, the actors being interviewed and, um, you know, trailer breakdowns and stuff. And everybody seems like they had an absolutely wonderful time making this movie. And... That only bodes well for it. And yeah, 
I, 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 I cried like a little baby during this fucking trailer. It was, oh man. Oh, I'm so excited for this. When we fought, when we saw the reveal of like the gigantic sandworm, I didn't know if we were watching the Dune trailer or the butthole cut of cats. <laughs> Which I love too. <laughs> you love so cats as well, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm super intrigued. I thought the trailer was fantastic. I think it looks beautiful. The cast is just incredible. Anybody else have any thoughts on uh, the Dune trailer? Um, yeah, yeah, it looks it looks nearly perfect. I, I'm, I've never read past the first book. I read the first book when I was in high school and loved it, and then watched the David Lynch movie with Sting and hated it so much that I never continued reading any more books. Oh shit. Yeah, I'm uh I never read the books, but you know I'm a big fan of Denny Villeneuve and he's not made a bad film yet. And the pairing of him and Roger Deakins is just gonna be golden. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm so fucking scared for the performance of this movie. I don't know how it's gonna do. Um and I think of Blade Runner twenty forty nine and how it's just an amazing, what I thought was an amazing movie that was just poorly marketed because people that aren't familiar with it just aren't intrigued enough or are given enough to understand what's going on. Neil, is this supposed to be a uh, one movie or like, a, are we getting two? We're good. This is the first half of the book of the, of the original Dune book. Um, basically the way I, I heard it described by Denis Villeneuve, However the fuck you say his last name, goddamn French Canadians. It's Vill- it's uh, Villeneuve or Villeneuve. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he basically they everybody involved in the production of this wanted to make they wanted to do the story justice, which involves more than one movie because it's such a giant story. And the way they described how their thought process was in making this first part was that it had to stand alone. It has to be a good movie on its own, if the, even if they never get to make the second one. Um, so that that's a good sign, I think, that they they know that it has to be two parts at least. Uh, well, well, they're doing two parts, hopefully, if it does well enough. Is this, this get is, is this gonna get fucking moved? Are they, is this actually gonna fucking come out? Like, cause like. Right now, I, I mean, we're getting the trailer. Um, it looks like, it looks like this is supposed to come out. This is, it's supposed to come out this year, correct? Uh, yeah, Christmas time, I believe. Yeah. And then, and, and also, I know that theaters are getting, they're getting, um, their like standees, their posters and standees for, um, the James Bond movie, the final Daniel Craig mm. James Bond. I mean, are these movies, are they actually <laughs> coming out in 2020? I don't know. If I, I mean, have to bet theaters, I'm going to say no. Our theaters are are supposedly reopening soon up here. Um but theaters elsewhere have reopened. Mm-hmm. And somebody said it and I I'll echo the sentiment. I will drive to Arizona to see this in IMAX. I don't give a shit. This is yeah, I am very so very excited for this movie. Um it looks Exactly how I imagined it almost in the book. It's, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> Visually at least. If you fucking drive to Arizona to watch this movie, I want a, I want video of you listening. <laughs> Hold on. I want video of you listening to By the Time I Get to Arizona by Public Enemy as you're making the drive. <laughs> as you're making the drive. 
to fucking Arizona <laughs> to watch Dune. I think that's fucking incredible that you would make the journey. I, I drove to fucking St. Louis to watch Ip Man 4, and I thought that that was a big deal. So that's pretty fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome fandom, Neil, for you. Um, yeah, I mean, these books are a huge part of my formative years. I read the first Dune when I was about the same age as Paul Atreides. Um, and... Yeah, it, it's been a such an integral part of, of forming who I am as a person that I have to see this in IMAX. There's no, there's no fucking two ways about it. Mm. <laughs> Do you like the David Lynch movie, Neil? No. Okay, I feel better then. <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> and what I one thing I liked about this trailer too is is the uh, the song they had in the background. Pink Floyd song. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Joe, uh, what's his name, Alfonso Jodorowsky or something like that. He was originally going to be making a Dune movie before David Lynch got attached, and he was going to have Pink Floyd score the movie. And so I thought that was a, a really cool deep dive nod to that whole process. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to release this year. We'll find out. We'll find out. I don't know. Fucking who knows what the fuck's going to happen with Black Widow. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. I really I think studios know. are fucking terrified after they saw how Tenet performed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Forbes yeah. basically saying like Tenet might just break even. That's what they predicted. So oh. yeah. Yeah. Um, D- tell me that I'm not the only one that saw this, this, this last thing that I'm going to be going over in Good Pop, Bad Pop. My octopus teacher. You are not the only one. I saw it. Oh my God. I, Jake, I know you didn't get a chance to see this one. Let me just start off by saying this is my favorite thing that I watched this week. Same. Same. Oh my God. Thank God. Thank God. This is a documentary on Netflix and it's, it's directed by Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed. It stars Craig Foster, who also produced the film. The film shows how in 2010, Foster began free diving in a cold underwater kelp forest at the tip of South Africa. He started to film his experience and in time, a curious young octopus captured his attention by visiting her den and tracking her movements every day for months. He won the animal's trust in the film. Foster describes the impact on his life and his relationship with the octopus. The film shows the octopus defending itself against pajama sharks in one attack the octopus loses a tentacle but the octopus retreats to its lair and recovers regrowing the tentacle later after mating with another octopus uh, i don't actually i just i'm not going to get into everything I, I i think some people just need to watch this for themselves i this is a movie that i have thought about every single day since i've watched it like Every single day since I've watched this, I've thought about this movie. I, I'm gonna say it, I'll be honest with you, I cried over a fucking octopus. Hey, same here. Oh my <laughs> god, this movie is just incredible. I've, um, recently, you know, uh, within the past year, I actually, I went to a, an aquarium and I saw a larger version of this octopus, like in person, and was just mesmerized at like, this, fucking underwater creature like i kept i was just amazed by the tentacles on it and how how 
there's just thousands of those little suction cups on, on, and they get smaller and smaller all the way to the tip. Just an incredible fucking animal. And then the, watching this documentary and how smart they are and how good at, they are at, at evading their predators and how intelligent they are at capturing their prey. And then Craig Foster, this guy who goes into these kelp forests in South Africa, the first off, the kelp forest looks like something out of Avatar. Like this whole underwater yeah. world is like, I can't believe that this is on our planet. And what for this guy to like to be swimming underwater in the kelp forest, it just looked beautiful. Like this just looks like it looked like a place that was untouched by humans. Like somehow this place has not been affected by humans and it's just gorgeous. But he encounters this octopus and then comes back every day. And there's a moment where the octopus reaches out and touches him and is super curious. And, um, they form this bond. He talks about how like they have the intelligence of like a dog or a cat in that respect. Like they're, and I, I, I appreciated the, I, I love actually I loved this documentary but there are parts in it where I was just like I wanted him where you see the attack from the pajama sharks and you want him to intervene but you understand as a filmmaker why he didn't and as 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 a true lover of nature why he didn't because like there are things that happen in nature and they happen for a reason and you're not supposed to to get involved. I think like we have, I think, I think people have totally fucked up, you know, um, nature and things like that as far as, 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 you know, underwater life, especially like with oil, oil, uh, oil leaks and things like that, like the Exxon Valdez back in the day. And there's just, you know, just down to like us going out into nature and killing certain insects and things like that just so we can enjoy being outside. It, it affects all the, um, the animal life around us and, and the, the ecosystem that we live in. We've affected it so much just by our presence, but like, yeah, there's that line that he has near the end, uh, that we are part of this place. We're not visitors. Right. And like that, like that really kind of sums up the whole, thing is we you know anytime you interact with with wild animals or or just nature in general you are part of it you're not just visiting you're not just observing this you actually have to be a good caretaker of the world that we live in Mm because we are a big part of it i um yeah i i recommend every i want to get your guys thoughts i want you to talk about it and like what really stuck out to you but um just how you really felt like this guy was making a connection with a wild animal and that yeah. this, that this octopus as this relationship formed. And I didn't know like the lifespan of an octopus. I had to look it up and like this particular one lives maybe a year or so. Some of them only live about six months. Um, some of the larger ones can live up to five years, but they have a very small life 
span. But my God, like if you look at like what this animal accomplishes throughout this and, and as he's filming this, we pretty much get to see when he first meets the octopus, it's a very young octopus. And we pretty much throughout this documentary get to see the entire lifespan of this octopus that he comes in contacts, contact mm. with and befriends. And man, yeah. this, the way he films this, it, you really do feel a connection between the two. You really, and you really see that this octopus, there's a part where like he hasn't seen the octopus in a while and the octopus makes contact, sees him and just like rushes up to him and jump, mm-hmm. like basically just gets on his chest and, and, and you can see that this octopus is happy to see his friend. It's an intelligent animal that oh, knows yeah. that he is not a predator and you get to see the how how different the octopus is during the day than than he than he is at the night in the nighttime. It's I know you guys are chomping at the bit to talk about this, Tristan. Tell me what you I, I, I and I am too because I fucking I love this so much. I will watch this repeatedly because it make it's a documentary that makes you fucking feel things, not just for like what we have going on like in our everyday lives, but it makes you feel something for nature and how important it is for us to um to be those caretakers and to, to protect this fucking ecosystem. But what did you think, Tristan? Yeah, it's the highest of Tupperwares for me as well. And, um, you know, I, I love this so much. I immediately went on the leftover army page and, and posted how much <laughs> I loved it because, um, uh, you know, because I, I, it's not a movie that's heavily marketed and I'm very thankful that you had this on the list, Brian, cause I would not have seen it otherwise. And it's, it was just, uh, just an amazing, uh, account of, of, of a man dealing with his own personal demons and then finding, uh, a new birth, I guess, in, in, in this creature. And I've been scuba diving a number of times and I gotta say, it's like, it's the most, like, all, um, breathtaking experience that you're ever gonna have in your life. It's, it's amazing the shit that's down there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And you just go down there and you see all this stuff going on, all these different creatures and, and stories down there and you, and, and it makes what we're doing up here seem so insignificant, you know? I've never and, been, I've never been scuba diving, but I have been yeah. snorkeling and I went snorkeling yeah. in Belize before mm-hmm. they had their, you know, the, the hurricane and the storms out there. And, mm-hmm. but man, and, 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 and I've done, I've, I, you know, I've been snorkeling in the Bahamas and, and shit like that, but, and that was not really impressive. But when I went to, when I went to Belize and I'm around the coral and stuff like that, it literally looked like the colors that were popping on the coral and all the fish. Yeah. I saw clownfish in person out in the yeah. wild. Like it, it looked like finding Nemo come to life when I was, when I was, in, yeah. when I was in Belize. It's beautiful. It's, it's alien like. It's like another world. And you're absolutely right. You get to see a part of nature and, that you just and, don't see. And they don't give a fuck about what we're doing up there yeah they're just like in their own little world and that's the amazing part about it it's like the closest thing you get to flying to when you scuba dive it's i love it and um i'll be honest and say i will never eat octopus again and i and i'm not joking on that (laughs) based on this fucking film because i knew that octopus were intelligent beings but I had no idea just like how smart they were. And this thing was like a puppy pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Brian, it's at first it's scared of the guy 
And then it, it's so intelligent that it's looking at this creature like, okay, that's different. And I want to get to know what this is about. And he, you know, finally musters up the courage to touch him when he finds out he's not a threat. Then the octopus is excited to see him every time he see, he comes down there. That's yeah. That's yeah. It's so octopus amazing. octopus typically live their life alone. They don't spend. Yeah. They're not they're, they're not like in a, in a in a pack of octopi. It's like yeah. you, they live their lives alone. But they're also curious creatures. That yeah yeah that that almost like. You know, well, it, it was like, okay, I think the octopus kind of knew like there was nothing else intelligent down there. Yeah. And it sees this human and it just gravitates to it like, oh shit, I have a friend, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, um, there's a scene, yeah, there's, there's a some- scene where we see in this octopus and I won't spoil it, but like, I, I, I kind of, we see a scene with an octopus basically playing. Playing with the fish. Yeah. 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 Oh my. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and when it's being pursued by the uh pajama shark, by the shark, yeah, um, the way that it guards itself and takes the shells and the rocks and covers itself and makes like a protective suit where that can't be penetrated. And I mean, there's a part where like it does this really smart maneuver yeah. to, to outwit the fucking shark. It's like in some ways, it felt like it was smarter than a dog. Like yeah. this thing was, was insanely intelligent and, and just fascinating to watch. And, and I, I really love the fact that this guy, Craig, he had issues at home. You know, he had, uh, just, I guess he was going through his own personal demons and just decided to go out into the ocean and found new inspiration in this octopus. And it's just amazing how he was free diving without a tank. Uh, without a, a wetsuit. And he, and he basically documents an entire year of this octopus's life by just holding his breath and, and going down there and, and filming it. Yeah. Like there's, Did, it's not like he's just sitting down there in a, in a submarine or, or with scuba gear on. He's holding his breath while he's doing this and he captures so many monumental moments of the octopus's life. Was it just me or was he kind of alluding to the fact that like when he wasn't filming, he was down there swimming naked? Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't catch that part. Did he? It felt like he was alluding to that. Like that's like uh, okay. the way to do it. it to seems be very possible. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, Neil, talk to me about my octopus teacher. Yeah, um, when you first, when I first saw this on the list of things you were gonna have us watch, uh, I thought it was gonna be some weird anime. Um, but I'm really glad it wasn't, cause I, <laughs> I fucking loved this movie. I, I've been a fan uh, of octopuses as, as an animal for a long time. Uh, they're so intelligent and they're just amazing creatures. Um, uh, I, I love how he referred to it as a, as a liquid animal. Yeah. Um, that was, that was really cool. It was, it was also really nice when he finally won this octopus's trust that she allowed him to see her hunting techniques and, and the amazing, like, adaptive hunting styles that she had for different kinds of prey was it's so fascinating. Um, and, I mean, the, the real core of this movie is this, this very real bond that he formed with this wild animal as you said brian it, it just 
you know, he was in a rough place. He found this creature and he made an actual connection with this wild animal who is extremely intelligent and, and allowed him to be a part of her entire existence. And like the, the pain of, of the loss of that relationship, it just, it kind of ripped through me a bit. It, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a really hard part of that, of the movie. And th- this whole, this whole film, yeah, there were some reused shots, but it didn't matter. It was, it was a beautiful film. Um, and you don't really see documentaries like this all that often where the person making the documentary is part of the story. Mm. Uh, like a huge part of the story, obviously, because it's about his relationship with this wild creature. And, and yeah, it, it was fucking fantastic. Tu- highest of Tupperwares. This is one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic absolutely i loved this yeah there were so uh, much there were waterworks in my entire family that's never happened before where me my wife and my daughter were all crying oh my god dude i i i thought about this the next day at work and i'm driving by myself and thinking about this octopus and like how much how the octopus loved him and how he loved the octopus and i was just like dude i'm fucking like tearing up the next yeah. day thinking about this and I can't, I, I can't bring myself to think about it because it, I, it does affect me. It really does. Yeah. Like it's such a beautiful fucking story between man and nature. It really is. And it's not fucking Disney Pixar trying to do it. It's, it's, this was real. This is a real fucking thing that happened. And, um, just an incredible, amazing animal. The, when, let me ask you guys this question. When we get that first pajama shark encounter, would you have been able to restrain yourself from not fucking just getting involved? And would you have been able? I would have got involved. Um, I mean, I, I spent an hour and a half with this thing and I was attached. This guy was spending every day <laughs> for a year. I, I would have. Like, I, I get it that we're not supposed to intervene. And he's a but, filmmaker. He wants to this to, to play out like the way. But, but Right. But at the same time, like I get when you're documenting like Nat, like Nat Geo. But I also saw it like as a, a, a story about friendship. Yeah. yeah. Him, if he intervened, I wouldn't have been mad at him. Well, yeah. the, the the octopus was also using him and his placement in the water to catch lobster. It kind of used him. <laughs> and so, like, I, dude, I'll just be honest with you. Like, if I saw the pajama shark going after him, I would have been all over that shark. Like, get the fuck away from my friend. <laughs> right. Get the fuck yeah. away from my friend. But, like, this guy didn't do that. And I think with him not doing that, we did get overall a better documentary. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably part of it because he he was a documentary person already. Mm-hmm. Um, so he understood his role in this whole thing. Obviously, it, had, it was a little different from filming on the Serengeti, but um, yeah, I don't know if I could have done what he did and not gotten involved either. It, it Man, 
if you see your friend getting hurt, you're yeah. going to want to step in and, and stop that from happening. I got a, but, I got a question for you. I got a question for both of you. And for the people that haven't seen this, this might make sense after you watch it. Did the ending remind you a little bit of Charlotte's Web, the ending? Yeah. It didn't remind me at the time, but I'm making that connection now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man, the scene, the last time that they embrace. Yeah. Oh, oh. We're talking about a fucking octopus and a man here. <laughs> and, 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 and we're not doing it like it's, this is, we're not in a joking loop. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds. Hey, are we selling you on this, Jake? Yeah. I, I like Neil. I thought this was an anime too when I first saw the list of things to watch this week. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> You're I selling me on this. Watch I, this shit, man. I've always been intrigued about how I know a lot of people once they learn about octopus had the same kind of revelation that you did, Tristan, where they refuse to eat them anymore once they kind of learn about like how they are. Yeah. And I've never known anyone personally that's gone through that feeling. So I do kind of want to watch this. I don't think I eat an octopus anyway. <laughs> it's good. I've, no. I've, I've never had it. So, and I never will now. I've seen it. I've seen it at, uh, you know, like the, the buffets and things like that in different restaurants, but I've never ordered it. So. Yeah. Things with tentacles are usually off my list. I had a, when I was in Japan in Osaka, we went to this, like in one section of the city, they have all these street vendors and whatnot. And they have, uh, they had fried balls of octopus that were, Exquisite. They're so good. Oh. You eat the octopus's balls? <laughs> no. It's a ball made of octopus. Yeah, dude. Oh. It's like a like a like a fucking like a donut hole. You like know? a hush puppy. It's a ball of octopus. It's not there's no testicles on an octopus. Yeah. <laughs> they just I don't know, I haven't seen the doc. <laughs> no, what <laughs> like the shark nuts hanging down of the octopus. <laughs> oh my god. I, can't, I, uh, I love it so much. It's called My Octopus Teacher. It's on Netflix. Watch it now. I'm telling you Fantastic. this my favorite thing that I watched all week. One of my favorite things I've watched all year. Same. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's take another break and we'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news. Sounds like a plan. Great. Cool. Welcome back, and we are going to jump into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Last week, we uh, we talked about an art, artificial intelligence program that was developed that uh, named Henry Cavill 
the best successor to Daniel Craig's James Bond. This week, we got a rumor of who actually might be cast in the role. And this news comes from Dark Horizons. He's been one of numerous candidates rumored for years. But talk of Tom Hardy potentially replacing the exiting Daniel Craig as the next James Bond are heating up. Guys, I don't even I don't really care about James Bond, but my God, I'm a big Tom Hardy fanboy. If this turns out to be true, oh my God, this like, I, I don't know, I might be getting into Bond. The Vulcan Reporter reports that according to their sources, Hardy was offered the iconic part after a successful audition back in June. They report that producers had planned to unveil Tom as the next James Bond in November around the same time Craig retires. But the news will now be announced later this year or early 2021. Hardy has made it clear he'd be happy to take on the role. However, unlike some others who've suggested in the past, Hardy has steadfastly refused to talk about the part in fear it will get him blacklisted. Speaking to the Daily Beast a little while back, he was asked about Bond rumors, to which he responded, if I mention it, it's gone. You know, there's a saying amongst us in the fraternity of acting and in the fellowship of my peer group that if you talk about it, you're automatically out of the race. So I can't possibly comment on that one. Hardy is currently 43, a little older than most freshly cast Bonds, but behind Roger Moore, who turned 45 in the year his first Bond film, Live and Let Die Open. So I don't know how true this fucking rumor is, and some of the outlets that have been reporting it are like the Daily Mail, and some of them are kind of like bullshit. So I, I, I don't know, you know, but I mean, this is uh, this is something that's being talked about. Tom Hardy is fucking James Bond. Oh my god, I might be watching a James Bond movie again. I didn't care. I see. I watched the Daniel. I watched the Casino Royale, and I just didn't care. And I, I, I kind of enjoyed Brosnan, but I'm just not a big Bond fan. But this would totally get me into uh, into James Bond. Yeah, I, I think Hardy's a good successor. That's uh, a decent choice. I was hoping for something maybe a little bit more bold, but um. Yeah, I'd be excited. We're ready for a new Bond. I, I'm a fan of the Daniel Craig stuff, but it feels like every other movie is good and every other movie is bad. Um, so I'm kind of excited for a, a fresh new take. And I think with Tom Hardy as Bond, I think they're going to make it even more ruthless than what they did with Daniel Craig. Kind of have to with Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> He just exudes that kind of air of menace, which is something that the original character had that most of the actors haven't really been able to portray accurately on screen. I don't think Uh, I've been a big, huge James Bond fan for most of my life. Uh, I've read all the Fleming novels and I've seen most of the movies. Um, Somebody actually asked on Facebook recently, like what your favorite uh, Bond is and which is the best movie. I, I, my my favorite Bond to this day is Timothy Dalton. Even though his movies weren't great, I thought he exemplified the most aspects of the character um, out of everybody who's played him. And yeah, I think Tom Hardy is a good choice. I, I, like you, Jake, I wish they maybe had thought a little more outside the box, but I think he is also a worthy successor. I didn't care about James Bond as a kid growing up, but I had a Timothy Dalton James Bond poster on my wall. And the <laughs> only, hold on. Was the, it Live or Let Die? 
I, I, dude, I don't even fucking remember. All I remember is that there was a Bond girl on it that was wearing like a mesh see-through fucking shirt. And that's, oh, the, yeah. and my, I, and I don't know, like my parents knew it was James Bond. So like they didn't fucking freak out when it went up on my wall. But man, <laughs> if, oh, it was kind of a loophole. It was a total <laughs> loophole. So I kind of got away with like having a little bit of a uh, spanking material on my wall. <laughs> Because it was James from the Bond. Living daylights. Oh yes, it was like having the Sears catalog, right? It was like having the Sears catalog on my fucking wall, like Fredericks of Hollywood. <laughs> Fredericks of Hollywood was on my wall, and like at any time, I could just fucking jerk it to that fucking photo of that on my wall. And like my parents, it was like, yeah, it was James Bond, so they couldn't really say anything. So yeah, it worked out really well for me. Yeah. Go James, go James Bond. Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, I wanted Idris really bad too. I love Idris Elba, but man, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fanboy. And this would actually, like both of, both of those actors would get me to watch the movie. Uh, yeah. but I'll be, I'll be super happy if they get Tom Hardy. Cause like I love fucking. Ever since, like, ever since I, I, it honestly started when I watched, like, the Taboo show and the, on FX. And then I started going back and watching other things that he had done. And I just, I think Tom Hardy is just fucking incredible. So. Has there been any talk of, uh, Taboo season two happening? Yes. I mean, they've been talking, what's his name? Steven, Steven Knight, Steven Denight. I can't remember. But they, he's done interviews and saying like, you know, like they're still moving forward, I guess, with Taboo season two. It's very slow moving. That, he wanted to yeah. do three seasons. So. Okay. Yeah. The last thing. I, I love listening to you and Ashley do talk to Taboo. That was, that was a great show. I just don't know if we're going to get it. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Now with COVID and if, he, and yeah. especially if he does get cast in the role as James Bond, who knows what his availability is going to be. Yeah. So that is all I have for news this week. <laughs> but we do have Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, Marvel news. What do I got? Oh my god, a big, uh, kind of a big week for Marvel. Other, it, other than Chris Evans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think that was big? Uh, that's what I. That's what I meant. Was it was a big week for, for Marvel. Um, after a star-making turn in HBO, this comes from Deadline, after a star-making turn in HBO's hit series Lovecraft Country, Jonathan Majors is now ready to make his mark in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a big way. Majors has been tapped for one of the lead roles in the next Ant-Man movie, opposite Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. The studio had no comment, but sources close to the project say he is most likely to play the supervillain Kang the Conqueror. Sources add that, like, so many new characters in the MCU, there could be a twist with how the character is featured in future films. But as of now, he is likely to be one of the main villains in the next installment of the franchise. Jake, has it ever been confirmed if Kang was a Fox character? I felt like Kang was a Fox character. Now they can use him. Yeah, I always, I always thought Kang was a was a Marvel character. I. 
I don't remember them using him in the X-Men stuff. I know his first appearance was in Fantastic Four, but in that first appearance, he was known as Rama Tut. And then by the time he becomes Kang, he's more featured in the Avengers comic books. So I, it's a tricky situation there. I don't know if it counts as Fantastic Four because he appeared as that other character there first. But I, I don't know. I always I, yeah. assumed he was a Marvel character. I always thought he was Fox. I, I just, you know, with the Fantastic Four. But, you know, I don't – yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if they ever really officially came out and – and said that, you know, he's not part of the Marvel catalog or he's not part of the Fox catalog. I don't know. Maybe he's I one of those James like, Gunn, oh, go ahead. I think James Gunn once, um, stated that King was part of Fox, but I'm not sure how true that was. He would, I was kind he of would know. He was kind of in the same boat as Submariner where the rights were so convoluted that Nobody could really use. Him. Well, Submariner was owned by Paramount. So, yeah, Submariner was is. Paramount. Yeah, still is. Or was it Universal? No, exactly. I, I thought it was different from Hulk. Universal. Universal's Hulk and Paramount is Namor. You're right. Yes. you're right. You're right. I and James Gunn would know if that rumor is true. James Gunn would know. James Gunn has talked about how when you make a Marvel movie or make a DC movie, they give you a book with the characters that you can use. And he was talking about like when he got the Marvel movie, like he could just flip through and he could use any of these characters. And I guess they would tell him which ones were off limits that maybe they were using for other things. But other than that, everybody else was up for grabs. Yeah. And you would just think that they would have used King by now if they had the option back in the day. But, um, I could be well, wrong. I mean, I don't know. I think he's for- a, he's a big villain like Thanos. Yeah, I just don't think even even Thanos had a little bit more name recognition among non-fans. Like, it's not a character that's ever really been featured in video games or cartoons or like, I I think the comic fans know him very well and love him. But I I think the masses aren't too familiar with him at all. Even more so. I I know you could maybe say the same thing about Thanos before Avengers 1. You could. You could definitely say that. I still think even Thanos was more recognizable. He you know, he was still in the video games. He was still in the cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so I, so is Iron Man, but Iron Man was still kind of like a yeah. B list Marvel character, but I guess you're talking, we're talking about a, you know, as far as like the main masses are concerned with Kang, he's kind of like a Z list villain to them. They don't really know who yeah. Kang is. Yeah. He's exactly. not Magneto. He's not Dr. Doom. He's not Red Skull. So Galactus. What? No, Galactus. He's not a Galactus. Yeah. yeah. But I still he's think he's always been one of my all-time favorite villains ever since the Kurt Busiek series Avengers Forever that really did a great job kind of doing a lot of backstory on the character. He's always mm. been one of my favorites. Um I still have my the- I still have my Secret Wars Kang figure. To this day, oh. I still have my Secret Wars Kang figure. That's fucking awesome. I found a bunch of my Secret Wars figures while moving yesterday. I, I, I'm actually sitting right next to my Hobgoblin and Black Suit Spider-Man right now. Nice. <laughs> I That's got the awesome. shield with the little holograms. Yeah, the still. shield with the holograms. <laughs> I always wanted like I always wanted to get, and I never picked them up, I always wanted the Falcon one because it looks straight up like Falcon from the comics with the wings and all that shit. So. Oh, yeah. The Hobgoblin to this day is still one of the best toy goblin gliders I've ever fucking seen. Mm-hmm. And his boots have that hook in them, and they just, like, hook perfectly into the glider. So you can, like, 
literally hold the glider upside down and Hobgoblin will still stay connected to it. What sucked about the Wolverine uh, one is it didn't have the retractable claws that you could push the button. It was claws that you attached to his arms. Oh, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. That is stupid. But, yeah, Kang's one of my all-time favorite villains. I'm super excited he's finally getting some use. I'm super disappointed it's in my least favorite series of Marvel movies made to this Is he going to be the main villain, though, or is this setting up something bigger? I I think about Guardians of the Galaxy and and how they just introduced Thanos. You know, I I feel that he may have a part, but he's not going to be a one-and-done villain. Yeah, I feel like this might be like the next going into the next phase, I, especially an actor like Jonathan Majors, who's like, you know, the last black man in San Francisco. And uh, uh I know he was in Captive the State, five Bloods. the Five Bloods, and he was in Captive State, which wasn't a huge movie. But he's been fantastic. And, and, and Lovecraft Country oh, has yeah. been fantastic in everything that he's been in. He's up and coming. He's a rising actor. And I feel like, you know, uh I don't, I just don't feel like this is a one and done kind of character. And this is all rumor too. We don't know if he's Kang. Plus it'd be a good way to get the Fantastic Four in too. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes sense because I mean, Ant-Man, obviously it's not one of my favorite franchises, but it is, you know, the quantum uh, realm franchise. And, and it makes sense that that's where, you know, we might see some hints of the Fantastic Four and anything related to Kang. Oh, uh, and, yeah. and well, time travel as well. Which right. one? And I mean, what have we what have we been hearing? Uh, what have we been hearing about? I, I think I feel like in the Eternals, haven't we been hearing about like, you know, like um, since Thanos messed with the with the stones that um, now that we're gonna have like possibly some of these people coming into the MCU that are actually, actually kind of like, uh, Oh, what are the, what, what, what were they called? In the, and I'm blanking on it because I've been drinking this entire episode, but we got the, uh, in guardians of the galaxy, we got those gigantic fucking the like celestials. the celestials. Like, aren't we going to get introduced to like celestials that actually have like the individual fucking powers of like each of the stones that have, that are kind of like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We got now we've got to intervene here. We've got to intervene here. We had somebody that was actually using time, you know, like uh, space, reality. Now we're going to actually – we could possibly be introduced to some of these uh, celestials and, and, and some of these almost godlike creatures that uh, – beings that uh, that actually possess these powers of like the individual stones as as entities. That's yeah, the rumor that's I've been hearing. Cool idea to explore. Yeah, because like everything that's been, and I think didn't we hear that like in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness kind of stuff that that you know now that you had one character that's been like fucking around with space and reality and and uh, the Soul Stone, all these things like like whoa whoa that's that's. <laughs> Cut the brakes here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe we have to intervene here now. You know, I don't know. That's just something that I I had heard in the past. But yeah, fucking Kang, time traveler. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
I hope they have a cool reveal. I hope it's not just, you know, he's on the poster. There's Kang. Like it's one of those things where it'd be cool if we weren't for sure it was going to be Kang or not until we saw the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There was those early rumors that we'd have Robert Downey Jr. come back and play that one version of Kang that was uh, Tony Stark from the future or something. Oh, the young Avengers version? Yeah. 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 That was a cool character, but I, we're not going to do that. I don't think so either. Um, we've got our directing team behind, uh, the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus TV show. Did you guys see this news? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Adil L. Arby and Bilal Falah. They are going to, they were behind Bad Boys for Life. They were the directing team behind Bad Boys for Life. And they have been set to helm episodes of the upcoming Marvel Studios Muslim superhero series, Ms. Marvel. And so we don't have a actor cast in the role of Ms. Marvel yet playing, um, uh, Kamala Khan, but, um, it, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see who we get in that role. I was hoping, what's her name? Um, Viswanathan. She was in, uh, Cockblockers and she was, Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah. That's good casting. I she thought was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. She was in cock blockers and then she was most recently like I think like in an Apple Plus movie that came out. I haven't seen it yet. But man, I think she'd be a great uh Ms. Marvel going forward. So yeah, we've got this I don't I I mean, I can't tell you if these bad boys for life directors are going to be great at a Ms. Marvel thing, but it, it seems like Disney's been uh, that Marvel Studios knows what they're doing so far with these directors. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Other than Peyton, yeah. other than Peyton I didn't Reed. think anyone but Michael Bay could make a good Bad Boys movie, and they proved me wrong there. So yeah. Oh God, I loved his. Cam- <laughs> I did love his cameo in that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see what they do. She Hulk casting. She Hulk casting oh, is yes. from Dark Horizons, award winning. Orphan Black breakout star Tatiana Maslany will play the title character in Marvel Studios' She-Hulk TV series. And uh, Maslany has reportedly emerged as the choice to play the character. According to Deadline, uh, who also broke the news that uh, Kat Koiro, I think I'm saying that right, I don't know, would direct several episodes, including the pilot. Um, Rick and Morty writer Jessica Gao is leading the writer's room for the project. And, uh, Marvel didn't immediately return a call for comment regarding the casting news. And it's not clear at what stage talks are in or if she's already set her deal. And, um, here's the thing. Um, I, Jake, I, you know, me and you were big fans of Orphan Black, big fans of the uh, actor Tatiana Maslany. What do you think about the casting? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, she definitely, there's definitely a height difference between what I think about the character She-Hulk, even, you know, not hulked out, I I think of Jennifer as a a taller character, but I don't, I don't think any of that matters too much. She's close to seven foot in the comics. Even not hulked out, right? Well, do you think to save money, they're going to not have her hulked out all the time? It's weird because, okay, in, in the comics, she is basically she needs a blood transfusion. She gets the blood transfusion from um, her cousin, Bruce Banner. And then, it, it, of course, the blood has been gamma infused and she has like more control 
she can she's basically more Jennifer Walters than she is Hulk. But right. she's always green, isn't she? <laughs> she, does, yeah, she, that, she can't change back. Uh, that was that was her choice, though. At first, she could. Uh, At first, she could. That was her choice. Later on in the comic runs, that she basically later on she created her own mental block to where she wouldn't allow herself to turn back into like human mm-hmm. Jennifer Walters. That was her own choice. So she so, basically right, did right. a Professor Hulk thing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if this series starts out, we could we could see her, like, just kind of like what we've seen with Professor Hulk. Now that Hulk is Professor Hulk, we could see her early on, you know, changing in and yeah. out. And then later on down the road, um, becoming She-Hulk all the time. I keep thinking to myself, though, like... They really need to put a lot of money into this, and they do need to make her bigger, Jake, if she if she is going to be She-Hulk. And I keep thinking – and I know this is maybe not the best comparison, but I keep thinking about um, um, like how the Na'vi look in, in, in Avatar and mm-hmm. how – you know, like maybe. Yeah, I th- see what you're saying. Yeah, like that's how kind of like what I want to see kind of like with her character in the in the MCU. Make it make it definitely look more like Tatiana Maslany, but use kind of like that technology to make bigger. her. Yeah, make her bigger, make her closer to like a seven footer. Yeah, just Definitely think about how expensive that's going to be for a TV series. Look at I how mean, much I, I don't, think, I don't look at, care about expenses. Look at how yeah. much money yeah. they're, they're pouring into the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. All, other yeah. than that, like you know, she's going to be. What is this? Is it going to be a comedy? They've got the fucking Rick and Morty writer here for this. One. I, I think it's loosely based off of the dance slot run more than anything, from what I've been hearing, where it's kind of a comedy lawyer show. Like okay. Ally McBeal type thing. I heard it's going to be like. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I've heard the same. Um, another thing is, She-Hulk's always been one of my favorite characters. But man, if an origin story ever needed a fucking modern touch-up, it's She-Hulk. How, <laughs> the transfusion thing is so fucking dumb, and I have no problem just ignoring that and coming up with something new. It's been a long time coming. I, I think it makes even less sense in the modern era of the MCU to do that storyline. They got to come up with something better and more interesting than the dumbass fucking blood transfusion shit. Well, is she still going to because... be? Is she still going to be the cousin of Bruce Banner? I that, I don't need that either. That that's well, some dumb comic book shit. Well, Mark Ruffalo um, has mentioned that he's been in talk, so I, I don't know. I know he's going to be in the series, but yeah, you're right. They don't necessarily have to make him the the cousins. I think that I think that um, I think that this is. I'm looking. Towards the future, I don't know what you guys are going to think about this, but I could definitely see this happening. They've been using the Hulk in interesting ways to keep his character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and keep him relevant. They've done things with him in Ragnarok. They basically gave us, you know, World War Hulk and things like that within that uh, Thor Ragnarok movie. And then they did some interesting things with Professor Hulk in Endgame. I think since She-Hulk is not a part of the universal deal that this character could actually translate to her own movie, but not her own movie. I think that they could do a movie called Hulks where it's both yeah. of them where it, it, the movie is literally called Hulks. Plural. That way it's not 
uh, contingent upon that universal yes. deal because he yes. won't be the star of the movie. So it doesn't matter the distribution. Imagine that. Imagine that announcement, Neil. Imagine we've already, (laughs) we've, we've already, we've already, listen to this. We are in a post Netflix, uh, Netflix Marvel fallout where we've seen these series with Charlie Cox and John Bernthal, uh, you know, the, the Iron Fist and the Jessica Jones. And we've seen those series go nowhere as far as the movies are concerned. Um, it uh-huh. basically, they, it just kind of like that everything dissolved, man. We never saw Charlie Cox show up in an Avengers film, but now here we are, Disney plus and, and, and it's, it's all, you know, constructed by Kevin Feige and, and we get that first season of She-Hulk. It goes over like gangbusters. People love Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk. And then two, three years later down the road, they, you know, they Kevin Feige stands in front of a group at San Diego Comic-Con and Hall H and they throw the fucking art up on the screen and it says Hulks. And we're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Bruce Banner and Jennifer Walters, Tatiana Maslany, Mark Ruffalo teaming up in a fucking movie. We're getting a TV character actually being a headliner in a fucking film, which we never got with Charlie Cox. And we all loved him as Daredevil. We all loved Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. We never saw them make the transition over into film. I think this could be, this could be fucking huge if that happened. I'm, 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 I'm actually, I'm fucking Babe Ruth and I'm calling that one right now. We're going to get, we're going to get a fucking Hulks movie. I'm calling it and I could be wrong, but I'm actually hoping I'm right on this one. It makes a lot of sense. It's another way to undercut fucking universal too. Yes. That, that, that's yeah. that's the whole reason for it because it's like you you unless you want Universal to make fifty percent of the profits, then this is what you got to do to keep Hulk within the within the universe and keep Ruffalo happy. Like this guy can do other shit. We've seen the we've seen this guy <laughs> we've seen this guy do other shit and he's fantastic. Oh yeah, and he actually on on Twitter said welcome welcome to the family cuz or something like that. Uh, when they announced, when the news came out. That's awesome. Tristan, you got any thoughts on this dude? Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. I didn't watch Orphan Black, but you know, my, uh. Did you watch Perry Mason? I didn't watch Perry Mason. Do you, um, do, do, so you, do, 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 do you hate Tatiana Maslany? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just happened to not watch anything that she's in, but I, you know. My, now, my, my now, hey, if she was in, if she was in something with Christopher Plummer, we might be talking about, we might. <laughs> <laughs> Low taste it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm excited because I see how people are responding to the casting choice. And obviously Marvel has not done a poor job when it comes to casting their characters. I'm excited to see how they pull this off. You know, I'm excited to see which approach they, they take. Like, are they going to take this fully hoped out, um, like you said, Navi character every episode? Um, she's a really small girl um five four and so it's very obvious that she's not gonna just be a lou ferrigno type so you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they pull this off you know and they could do some stuff like they did in lord of the rings with the with the horse perspective with the camera that's true Uh, yeah well i mean well look at look at look at what hollywood did to uh sylvester stallone's rocky Right. Look what look what right. Hollywood's been doing to Tom Cruise for the past fucking thirty plus years, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I thought 
I thought Sylvester Stallone was massive as a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is also more proof that some of these uh, actors that have like auditioned for other roles or had been in talks for other roles within the Disney umbrella, uh, even though they don't get those roles, they are they are being looked at and considered for other things. Tatiana Maslany was once very much in the running to play Jin Erso in Rogue oh, One. I wanted that so bad. In Rogue that One. So and, and it would have been so much better, but it didn't happen. But I think they liked what they saw from her and they, they've liked what they've seen from her since, so, you know, with me, uh, with Perry Mason and other things that they're like, yeah, I think this is our Jennifer Walters. I, you know, I didn't see this. I never, saw i i never envisioned her as jennifer walters but man i can't uh i can't deny that i'm not a fucking fan and and uh yeah i hope this i hope this is true and uh i think she's gonna be fucking great i think she'll fucking kill it yeah she kills everything she's in so yeah (laughs) i I guess i'm just qualms with her being cast as anybody yeah i guess i'm just kind of concerned about the whole Marvel Disney plus slate and how that's going to pan out because everything is just getting pushed back. And I don't know how that's going to fall into the grand scheme of things. Cause I mean, we're supposed to have Falcon and winter soldier last month. Yeah. Well, shit, we were supposed to have uh, black widow back in May. And, and the fact that everything ties in, I think there's like some talk about the fact that Falcon and winter soldier ties into black widow mm. that that's pushing things back even further. And which obviously, is, yeah. Which is Go why ahead. I think that they're going ahead with uh, the the WandaVision. Um, WandaVision, right. Because um, it's not tied to Black Widow. That's, yeah. They can move forward with it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so let's say theoretically COVID just kicks everyone's ass and they don't want to release anything for the next year. So, I mean, are we not going to see any Disney Plus shows for another two, three years? Yeah, but WandaVision is supposed to tie into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which already got pushed back another year. Yeah, yeah but WandaVision comes first on Before. Like, um, yeah. Winter Soldier yeah. coming Yeah, but Black like Widow. we get Wanda, well, we get WandaVision this year. We're going to have to still wait until 2022 to get Doctor. I guess that's not a problem. I mean, shit, we've we've been waiting for the Legend of the Ten Rings, anything with the Ten Rings, since fucking Iron Man (laughs) 1. So (laughs) I guess we could, you know, I guess we can wait to see what Shang-Chi does with, uh, you know, the Mandarin and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's exciting news, but it's like, damn, I just don't know when we're actually going to see this shit. (laughs) Yeah, you and everybody else, and we all want to see it now. We all, dude, I, t- I'm telling you, man, like, nothing would make my day more if we could get that fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, like, I literally just, like, a couple weeks ago, they were, there, uh, there were scenes that people were filming stuff, and then, and then, uh, it was getting leaked, some of the action scenes. I think there was a scene of U.S. agent fighting, uh, Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier oh, that kind of, that kind of leaked, you know, so it's like, yeah. fuck man, you know, I, yeah man, I want to see Wyatt Russell. I fucking love Wyatt Russell. I just think about how that big announcement, Marshall Lee's Blade, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel, that, that was all over a year ago. Dude, I fucking even and, forgot about Mahershala Ali as Blade. Yeah, and they're just now casting She-Hulk and we got, we've known about this for a year. Like, I, I don't know if this is just going to be a snail pace 
production um, on all these shows or, yeah. you know, if it's, it's kind of hard to get excited about stuff we're not going to see for a long time. Yeah. My, my excitement for Black Widow is kind of like really gone down because it's like, are we really going to get this November 9th? Is it really coming no, out in November? I highly doubt it. I doubt it too. I mean, they're going to have to make some decisions. Or, okay, do we just want to keep Marvel going or do we want to make money? Because well, here's the thing. They already pulled the Pixar movie yeah. Soul out of theaters. It's going to go straight to Disney+. Plus. They're going to do another. Oh, is it? Yeah, they're doing another Mulan thing with Soul. Oh, wow. And that's a fucking Pixar movie, which like yeah. Pixar is like a big deal <laughs> over yeah, at Disney. You know, like, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what fucking happens with uh I don't, oh my God. Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen with fucking Black Widow. This fucking I get sucks. the dilemma they're in. I mean, Mulan, Mulan made about, I think it's like 200 mil or something so far. And let's just say it ends with even 400. Black Widow could potentially have made a billion dollars. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of money you're leaving on the table by having it streamed. So I get why they don't want to do that. There's no way it's making a billion dollars in 2020, and it's almost impossible to probably make that in 2021 as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I mean, a a a non-COVID world, Black Widow could potentially make a billion dollars, and that's a lot of money to leave on the table. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do like Sony. I don't know if you heard that Sony's like, we're not fucking with anything until this is over. Are we are we going to get a Tony Stark fucking cameo in Black Widow? Is it happening? Yes. People think, yeah. I would, I would imagine so, yeah. I will see. God damn it, I want, I can't, I, yeah, I want, <laughs> I want to see the movie, I want to see the movie so bad, but it's just like. How much like, would you pay to see Black Widow? How much would I pay to see Black Widow? Yeah. Fuck, oh, streaming, like, streaming. Like right now? Yeah. Hmm. That's tough. That's I definitely I do the, the theater or not in the theater. No, I'm gonna, I, streaming Disney uh, like a Disney Plus Mulan situation. I do thirty bucks again. See, I didn't pay the money for Mulan, but I would do that for any Marvel property. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Kristen. Mulan was like, not give a shit about Mulan. Mulan was not worth the thirty bucks, mm-hmm. but Black Widow is like I think every every bit worth thirty dollars, and I haven't even seen the fucking movie yet. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's if I was willing to pay thirty for Mulan, fuck yeah, I'll pay thirty for Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like you know, with with the Rona and everything changing the way movies are being distributed and released now, maybe there's a there's a path forward where they could license it to several different platforms so you know people who don't have disney plus would still be able to drop 30 bucks and watch it on their preferred platform i mean maybe that's the way forward we're in the wild west i mean they're figuring all this shit out right before that's how uh uh, onward did not go they they didn't do the mulan 30 dollars you know disney plus premium thing onward you could it was basically in theaters for maybe a week and a half to two weeks i was lucky enough to see it in the theater but then after that, it went straight to VOD before it went to Disney Plus. Mm. So they could make it that. But I honestly see Disney wanting to take advantage of getting more subscriptions. Like, oh, the the subscriptions that we didn't get. And they're also thinking to themselves, like, it, I think it would be wise to to drop 
if they did, I don't think, I think it will be a theatrical release. I don't think that Black Widow will be going to Disney Plus. But I think that if they did drop it on Disney Plus, it would be wise for them to have Falcon and Winter Soldier ready to go within a month. And and what if they also of it dropping. utilized uh, Hulu? I mean, they're a big part of Hulu, too. Why not drop it on both of them? Because I'm, I'm sure some people have one or the other and not both. And that way you would double your revenue stream and you'd also still be getting more subscriptions for either or. Or just a hybrid where you can go to the theater and see it if you want or pay 30 bucks and see it at home on yeah. Hulu or Disney Plus. Oh, fucking, I, I'm telling you, if you want to piss off theaters anymore, don't have it available in theaters. Cause like the theater owners are going to be so fucking pissed. They were, dude, I was talking to a theater owner here locally and he was super pissed at Disney for them not being able to release Milan in theaters. And a lot of theater owners are pissed at Disney because of that. So. And for other reasons, I'm sure too. <laughs> mm. Yep. All right, let's move on into uh, DC news. I'll play the fucking bumper. Here we go. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Uh, quick news, Harley Quinn has been renewed for a season three. It will not, it will not stream on the DC universe. It'll be on HBO Max joining Titans season three and Doom Patrol. So yeah, Doom Patrol season two is on DC universe and HBO Max. And, um, yeah, Harley Quinn. Hey, I'm happy that we're getting Harley Quinn season three. Um, I'm not through season two yet. I'm watching it. Very slowly. <laughs> um, I love it. I fucking love it, but I haven't finished it. I think I'm, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm only two episodes into season two and I, I watch it when I do have time, but I still love, I still fucking love it. It's a parcel it out kind of show for me. Like I, I love, you know, watching an episode of that on HBO Max, but I don't really want to blast through it because I really enjoy watching it, you know, every week and a half or so. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah, I have about few, maybe about two episodes left of season two, mm. but yeah, it's a, it's a great series. And what's going to be left of DC universe after all the original programming is gone. Is it just I mean, they old officially movies? announced yeah. that this year yeah. on January 21st, 2021, it becomes DC universe infinite which will just be the comic book service for seven ninety nine a month. But it's going to be every comic from now on with the same six-month delay that Marvel Unlimited does. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Which I'm excited for. Honestly, I, I've wanted that more than the failed streaming service they tried all this time anyway. I only I mainly use DC Universe for, or the streaming app for uh, the comics. And I'm a big Golden Age um, comic book guy, Silver Age too. So I just like throwing up a an old comic on my TV and watching it and reading it. Yeah, I think it only gets better if you're if you're in DC Universe for the comics. It's only good news. And I they, all along they should have just. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. They should have just used DC as a selling point for Warner Brothers streaming, like HBO Max, like they're finally doing now. 
So I think it was just a giant misstep thinking that DC itself could carry the $10 a month streaming service price. I just want everything that was on DC Universe to begin with to make its way onto HBO Max. Everything needs to be there. Like It seems like that's happening too. It better. I'm talking about even the older series. I'm talking about like the old Linda Carter Wonder Woman. I'm also talking about the, you know, the old Shazam. Series like the the old Flash series, yeah. With uh, you know, uh, it only lasted one season, but I loved that show growing up as a kid. It was like an event for me watching that every week, and so like all that shit needs to fucking make it over to HBO Max. It all needs to go, and it doesn't need to be parceled out. Like that's what I hated about DC Universe is like they would have like, oh, we have all the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, and then like all of a sudden like. Well, Superman 1 and 2 are gone. All you can watch is Superman 3. Superman 1 and 2, you have to fucking go to Stars or HBO or some other, you know, like, just, if you call it DC Universe, it should all be DC. And if you're going to have, like, this DC section of HBO Max, it should all be there. Yeah, the distribution deals that these giant corporations have with each other is really fucking with our viewability options. (laughs) At least we know with, like... um, with Disney that like once those deals end, everything should be available on Disney plus. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Uh, James Gunn responded to a couple of tweets this past week that I want to address. The first was from a fan that asked, how did Marvel react when you told them you were working with DC as well? And then James Gunn, uh, James Gunn responded, I told Kevin Feige before I took the job and he was very cool and supportive, as he always is. He just wanted to make me, he just wanted me to make a good movie. He and Lou D'Esposito even came to visit the set and watch us shoot. There isn't the enmity behind the scenes like there is in the fan community. I love everything about this response. Yeah, that's great. First well, off, I I'm love- I'm not surprised at all. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tristan. Uh, I, I feel that, um, Kevin Feige understands that, you know, they're the big dog in the, in the, in the fight and they understand that Marvel's winning right now, but a win for DC is a win for the comic book genre. Yeah. Yeah. And so they don't want shitty movies to just dilute the genre. Uh, he's seen shit, shitty movies. He's been a part of the yeah. shitty movies, Kevin Feige. He was, <laughs> yeah. he, he was involved in a lot of those fucking, and it's not his fault. He, he always had a vision, but was kind of like, you know, sidelined, but he was a part of a lot, a lot of those Fox Marvel movies that first came out. The, oh, act, yeah. when, when, the, when, you know, and yeah. he wasn't the guy that was signing off on the X-Men wearing those black leather matrix suits and shit. He, he was, <laughs> he was the guy against it that we can see what he's wanted when it comes to like these, these costumes, like, uh, that the characters are wearing. Cause they do look faithful mostly to like their comic, you know, uh, counterpart in, in the MCU. Like he's not fucking like, <sighs> So Kevin Feige was a part of that, you know, he's a part of that, that, that Fox Marvel universe at first. And, um, I, yeah, I think it's, he definitely like, you know, competition breeds, it makes him fucking work harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Not to mention that at the time James Gunn was telling Kevin that he was going to be doing Suicide Squad, James Gunn was effectively fired from Marvel. Sure, sure. I'm sure Feige was was happy that he was still going to be able to make some movies. What I love about this is the fact that he fucking had Kevin Feige come to the set and watch this. And then he also fucking takes a jab at the fucking uh, DC versus Marvel mentality from us fans. And he's like, there isn't that fucking you know, bullshit going on behind the scenes. Yeah, they're not the bloods yeah. and the crypts and shit. I mean, people are just, <laughs> they're just, they're just trying to, I mean, they're, they're, they're all trying the to Marvel make money. characters yeah. or the DC characters dressed in like red and blue. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're not what people make them out to be. And it's like, you know, I mean, we see it online all the time. It's like a, a good DC trailer drops and people are like, RIP Marvel. And shit like that, you know, it's, it, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's a win is a win for everyone involved yeah. because, yeah, because we lose when, when the general audience starts saying comic book movies suck. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when everybody loses. Yeah. So if they're all good, that makes, means we get more of them. But yeah. if they're shitty, then who cares which one is shittier than the other? Yeah, exactly. Later in the week, a fan asked James this, and here's the thing. This question, I'm a firm believer that this person, and I don't know, but I'm a firm, I, you know what? Fuck it. I think that this person didn't, number one, didn't think that James Gunn would respond, and number two was baiting James Gunn. But who knows? They asked this question. Yeah, you get a lot of that on the internet. Yeah. Here, <laughs> this is what the person asked. And, and I think this is 100% in response to what we just talked about, um, his response to the Marvel fan. Like, um, you know, what, what, you know, what did Marvel think about when, um, you know, you were working with DC and he talked about how, you know, he invited Kevin Feige to visit the set and watch them shoot the Suicide Squad. Well, this fan asked, can a DC executive or director like Zack Snyder be on a Marvel, on a Marvel movie set? And James Gunn, yeah, right? Doesn't it feel, doesn't it feel like, doesn't it feel like this guy is like waiting for James Gunn not to respond and number two, baiting him? Yeah. yeah. They have specific Zack Snyder force fields on all the fucking Marvel sets. <laughs> so James Gunn, in response to this question said, sure, I'd love to have Jim Lee, Zack Snyder, Patty Jenkins, James Wan, David Ayer, and he even goes on to say Walter Hamada and uh, or any of the people I really dig from the DC side of my life visit the set of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They're invited for sure. Love That's it. Awesome. Love it. Love you, James Gunn. He's such a badass. He is a badass. And James Gunn. I love what I'm hearing about that, that yes. film, too. It's just nothing but positivity coming from the Suicide Squad movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Did, did, did you guys uh, see Joel Kinnaman's? Joel, oh, that was hilarious. Joel Kinnaman. Well, no. Joel Kinnaman, who's uh, returning as Rick Flagg, he, he was talking to CBR.com about the Suicide Squad. And this is what he said. He said, when I got the script sent to me, it's so funny. Like every page made me laugh. 
I was sitting at home reading it and laughing out loud. We had a great time shooting the first one, but this was something really special. I've never done a comedy before, and this felt like my first comedy. And I think in the first Suicide Squad, I'm not disappointed with my work in there. And he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. I'm going to just – He was fantastic. I think him and Jai Courtney – were great, and I even think Will Smith was good. I really do. I think I, those are the. I thought Margot Robbie was good too. I didn't care for fucking Harley Quinn in that movie. It wasn't until the. Her. It wasn't until Birds of Prey that I actually gave a fucking shit about her Harley Quinn. That's just my opinion. And I, but I, I, J, uh, uh, Neil, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that liked her in that movie. I didn't like her. I didn't like, and I love Margot Robbie, but I didn't like her in the, in Suicide Squad. Yeah, I did. I know. I know. <laughs> now you're you're like you're wrong. No, and <laughs> your opinion is wrong, motherfucker. Dude, there's a lot of people that fucking liked her in that movie, and that, so there, that means that there's a lot of wrong people. But um, um, but he goes on to say, but I never played around with it. And he's talking about comedy. I felt like I had these parameters that confined me in a way. So it was a great feeling for me to do the second one because James just opened up the possibilities for the character and it became much more comedic. And he really taught me how to find the comedy and where the opportunity was, uh, opportunities for that was. And so it was a great learning experience. It was really fun. And both me and James, I think we had a great time working with each other on it. I can't wait for people to see that film. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be so good. So I got, I love Joel Kinnaman. I think the guy is fucking just, just an incredible actor. Um, loved him in For All Mankind and pretty much everything I've ever fucking seen him in. I think he's fantastic. Did you ever see The Killing? The Killing, it started off on AMC, finished on Netflix. I've never seen it, but I, people close to me have watched it and said it's fantastic. Yeah, I watched it with a, a girlfriend way back when it first premiered. And I, I remember being blown away by his performance in that. I, cause I'd never seen him before and he, he just was so good in that role. Um, so I've been excited every time I see him ever since. I love how James Gunn took basically the best things from Suicide yeah. Squad and brought them back for this movie, like Viola Davis, you know. Um, and Jai so Courtney. Jai Courtney is boomerang. He was so great in that fucking movie. Yeah. The only time I've ever liked Jai Courtney. Dude, watch, Suicide Squad. watch, watch the movie Buffaloed on Hulu. Watch okay. that. He, he is, uh, he's fantastic in that movie. Has a ridiculous spray tan. Very funny. <laughs> um, Jake, did you have d- a different, uh, Joel Kinnaman news? No, it was, it was the same thing. Just that he thought the whole thing was very hysterical. It was the funniest screenplay he'd ever read is what I'd read. And yeah, I, I think we read the same article. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking love I thought it. that was a lot of fun though. I, it is interesting that he's never been in a comedy after all these years. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's happened with a lot of actors recently. Look at Daniel Craig. Who would have ever thought that Daniel Craig would be, you know, kind of like, a being able to pull off comedy. And then we see him in uh Logan lucky. And then, then, then he takes it another step further. With uh, knives out. out, yeah, yeah. You know these yeah. these guys are, you know, I don't know. It feels like they're more trained for like drama or you know like 
and, and well, stuff like that. Yeah. Drama is easier to do than comedy. Yeah. Ask, yeah ask, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Ask Sylvester Stallone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, who, when's the last time you watched Stopper, My Mom or Shooter? Oscar. The 80s. <laughs> God. And Rocky is a drama and a lot, you know, it's a sports movie, but it's also a drama and he fucking, he fucking killed it. Almost oh. every sports movie is a drama, right? Yeah. You've got, you've, yeah, yeah. I mean, except for semi pro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about, what about, What's what the uh, major well. league? Major league. Oh yeah. Major league. Yes. Yeah, what about yeah. Mr. 3000 with Bertie Mac? Oof. I love that movie. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was just asking about the what drama about aspect. Juana man. Juana oh, man. What's the movie where the kid breaks his arm and then he becomes like a Cub star? I fucking Rookie love that year. movie. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the. I so good. fucking love that movie. It is so good. Angels in the outfield. That's a drama. Is that, that's Christopher yeah. Lloyd, right? Yeah. And it's and 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 and, and they're on the t- the baseball team, the Angels, which Angels in the oh, brilliant, fucking brilliant. <laughs> wordplay, a plus wordplay. <laughs> that, that is a that is a mashup of the ages. <laughs> oh man, oh, I still get a kick out of the brilliance of that. Um, oh man. Tristan, looking forward, looking forward to uh, the Suicide Squad. I am, yeah. I mean, it's I hear nothing but good things, and just seeing the passion that James Gunn has for this film while he's making it, and how he's going out of his way to tell people how good a time he's having with it. I mean, you can't help but be excited. So, yeah, how, like, how did you feel about the that the King Shark clip? King Shark picking a guy up, fucking eating him. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is like the Harley Quinn series brought to life. Speaking of sharks, Mike Tyson was on Shark Week. Speaking of Mike Tyson, he is going to fuck up Roy Jones Jr. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you hear the That's Joe Rogan interview? I heard the Joe Rogan interview. Yeah. Man, how fascinating. Mike well, Tyson did you did you hear the previous interview? From like last, like a year or two no. ago. No, I just Com- heard the one about a month ago or two. Two completely ago. different Mike Tysons. That Mike Tyson that was in that first interview was like, oh, I don't exercise or do anything anymore because I know when I start doing that stuff, I get very competitive. I'm a different person when I do yeah. those things. And now, and now, fucking, we got a Mike Tyson that's like dedicated to fucking like, you know, Hitting the gym, working out, training. Oh my God. Have you seen these videos? Yeah, it's scary. He's got, dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's going to fuck up Roy Jones Jr. I think Roy Jones Jr. is going to come out there serious though. I, I don't think that, I don't think that he's fucking going in there thinking he's going to fucking get knocked out. I, I think we're getting a Roy Jones Jr. too that's going to go in there with the right mentality, wanting to fucking, you know, take Mike out. But man. Roy Jones Jr. Uh, released a statement last week saying that he thinks he's in over his head. Yeah, I think that I think he's just playing some mind games, man. You think, I think so? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Roy Jones Jr. I think he's got the I think he's got the the mentality of a of a champion. I don't think he's going in there to get beat, man. I don't think he's going yeah. in there to get beat. I think that I think that 
when he goes in there, he's going to fucking go in there to beat Mike Tyson. I don't yeah, think Mike Tyson was talking about on Joe Rogan, how he gets aroused when he beats the shit out. Yeah, of Yeah. He says basically he gets fucking turned on, gets a hard on about violence, <laughs> man. It's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. But oh my God, I think Tyson's going to fuck. I think Tyson's going to fuck him up big time. Tyson. Yeah, oh I, hope, I hope it happens. It was supposed to be in September. Yeah, that's but true. Now it's November. Yeah, I think it's November. Yeah, it was supposed to be September, like late, uh, like next week, it feels like, right? Yeah, I think it got postponed to November. I thought it was like September 23rd. I could be wrong, but yeah, November. Oh my God. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh my, Mike Tyson's Mysteries. What a funny fucking show. That just got canceled, right? Did it get canceled? Did it? Yeah. Yeah, just like, I think it was announced this week. Fucking up. Yeah, I heard the same thing. Fucking Venture Brothers got canceled. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that yeah. fucking sucks, man. I love that show. I see. I, I, I watched like the first episode, never got back into it. I need to, I need to watch it. But you do. I do it's, need it's to watch it. Fan fucking tastic. I mean, the voice work alone is, is absolutely incredible. I know June has gone on and on about it on the show, but I'm right there with her. This, that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, man. I don't know if it's going to be better than the Property Brothers, though. <laughs> I don't know shit about the Property Brothers. Those fucking, those fucking twins. Do they do like an HGTV show or something? Yeah, Michelle yeah, watches do. that garbage. Oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck the Property Brothers. Jesus. <laughs> Property Brothers. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh man, you guys down with GTP? Guard that pussy. Yeah, you know yeah, me. You know yeah, me. you know me. <laughs> fucking Chris Evans, guard that pussy. Oh my, <laughs> give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? That is the douchiest shit. What <laughs> <laughs> is he wrong? <laughs> No, you do not guard that pussy. <laughs> so, okay, what is the, what is the meaning? What is it? What do you think Chris Evans, Chris, okay, let's say hypothetically, Chris Evans was the one that fucking took the time out to make that meme. He selected that picture. He selected that fucking douchey font and he made that fucking guard that pussy. What does he mean by guard that pussy? He's coming for your pussy. He's coming for your pussy. Is that what is, is that what he's saying? I thought he meant like guard it from everyone but him. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, no, I thought it meant like, hey, watch out! I got a giant dick. You better watch out. Exactly, dude. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I was, Wait, was, I was, this, was, I was thinking just next to the dick pic, or was it part of the dick pic? No, it's no, a separate it, thing. It, it, like his camera roll is what got uploaded, mm-hmm. and you know how an iPhone camera roll looks like, it's, where it's like a grid. Yeah. Yeah. Guard yeah. that pussy was like number two on the grid. His dick mm-hmm. was like number nine on the grid. Okay, so they weren't next to each other, so they His weren't. His dick was like sequence. number nine, ten, and eleven on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> he had to use he had to use that fucking panoramic view for that motherfucker. <laughs> they fucking they they fucking had to shoot that thing from the Hubble from the fucking NASA telescope and shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
if I was him, though, I would spin it saying that he was out there to defend anyone that was threatening a pussy. <laughs> Guard that pussy. Oh man, nobody's falling for that shit. <laughs> me, me and Tristan are so gullible, jeez. No, 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 no. That dude was saying, if you have a woman, you better guard that pussy because I could get it. I could hit that shit. That's what that motherfucker was saying in that fucking meme. Yeah, he was probably sending it to his, his friends who have girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. You saw me in that sweater and knives out. You better guard that pussy. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see. I want to see somebody dress his dick up in that knives out sweater. <laughs> oh, you women would still love it. You know you would. Oh my god, guard that pussy. Get the fuck out of here with that douchey ass shit. Oh man, I'm it, looking at this shit now. What, oh, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> we need to pause for you, Tristan. <laughs> Man. God damn. Bye, Tristan. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> I, I, I find it funny that he's just laying in bed, like, with, his, like, just no fucking pants on, too. Yeah, like I said, it's a real artistic shot. <laughs> yeah. Ansel Adams. I want to see, I want to, I want to fucking see, uh, Jack from Titanic drawing that shit. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> fucking Jack could actually fit on there with the fucking girl on the, fuck. on the wood plank. Oh my god! You could actually you could you could fucking actually you could take that necklace, the heart of the ocean, and wrap it around the girth of his dick. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, That's funny, man. Um. <laughs> Flash movie news real quick. Flash movie news. This was um, one of the producers uh, behind The Flash recently opened up about Ezra Miller's first cinematic solo outing as the Scarlet Speedster. This comes from Heroic Hollywood. Heroic Hollywood, that's Umberto Gonzalez's site after he left Latino Review, started up his own site called Heroic Hollywood. During a recent Q&A, The Flash producer Barbara uh, Muschietti was asked about the plot of the highly anticipated DC Comics movie. While she couldn't reveal much, Muschietti teased that the movie, quote, restarts everything, but, quote, doesn't forget anything. So basically what that – I'll read the full quote, but basically that what that tells me is, like, we're going to keep what worked and we're going to fucking scrap <laughs> all the bullshit that didn't work. Totally. Hey, that's a smart move. Yeah. Smart move. Uh, she goes on to say, well, I want you to go see it. So I'm not going to tell you a lot, but what I will tell you is that it's a ride. It's going to be a fun and ex it's going to be fun and exciting. And there are a lot of DC characters in it. Flash is the superhero of this film because he is the bridge between all of these characters and timelines. And in a way it restarts everything and doesn't forget anything. So that's what uh eh, it's basically kind of like more of what we thought this movie was going to be except for the fact like i mean if you think about it man like we're getting fucking um we're getting Ben Affleck we're getting Michael Keaton um i i don't know man this movie's going to be fucking insane it's going to be fucking insane bonkers yeah I, i'm down for it you know if if, <laughs> if they're going to pick they're going to cherry pick which 
like all the best parts out of the DCEU. Yeah. Because there were some good parts of the DCEU. Yes. And unfortunately, there were a lot of bad parts. So if they're going to take the good parts out and keep them and then throw away the bad parts, I am all for it. This article then goes on to say, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I don't know how closely you guys have been following this, but this has been a rumor. I don't know what the fuck. Because, like, it goes on to say, meanwhile, Ray Fisher is said to be in deep negotiations to make a cameo appearance in Ezra Miller's The Flash. Fisher is currently in a public battle with Warner Brothers after accusing Joss Whedon of gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable behavior on the set of the Justice League movie. The actor also has called out DC president and uh, a former DC president and chief creative officer Jeff Johns and producer John Berg claiming that the two enabled Whedon. Um, I've heard he's got a huge, even a bigger problem with Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns has been kind of like um, saying things about Ray Fisher that have actually gotten back to Ray Fisher later, like not directly to him, but like things that he said. And then it's gotten back to Ray Fisher about. Yeah. I, I heard that DC tried to throw Joss Whedon under the bus to preserve Jeff Johns, but Ray Fisher's real problem was was with Jeff Johns. Yes. Just Joss Whedon. Not just Joss. Yeah. That's a fucking tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> not just Josh Reed. Not just Josh Reed. <laughs> not just Josh Reed. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Neil, that was, that was impressive. How many beers in are you when you said that? Jesus. Uh, five tall cans, man. Good for you, sir. Oh my God. Im fucking impressive. I don't know what's more impressive. You or fucking Chris Evans manhood. <laughs> Well, this it, is it, it was seven, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, here's the thing. It's like, um, I want, and I've, and I've heard like Warner Brothers basically like, well, they got caught in a lie too, saying that, you know, like the investigation, they found nothing mm-hmm. and fucking, Ray Fisher basically uploaded all the emails that he had sent to, to different people saying, Oh, how did this go? Do you guys, uh, did you guys follow this? Oh my God. I'm okay. starting to, I'm so starting to blank. DC stated something like, well, we're trying to investigate, but Ray Fisher's not cooperating. Yes. And thank you. Information. And he uploaded all these emails of him contacting them and talking to them. So basically, yeah. So Warner Brothers is full of shit because he's got the proof. Yeah. Mm. Ray Fisher's he's like, got receipts. Yeah, yeah. I think, so he doesn't give a shit about uh, his movie career, really. Yeah, he's like, fuck it, I'll go back to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Momoa, who is their Aquaman, who, and that movie made up over a billion fucking dollars. That movie did really well for Warner Brothers. He's made it public that he stands with Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. He stands and with Ray Fisher. I know Ray Fisher is really tight with uh Zack Snyder too, so I mean he has he has support, but um yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how all this plays out. How I know deep that in- Ray Fisher does not give a fuck right now though. He's not one of these people that are afraid of being black 
blacklisted in Hollywood. How deep are these negotiations, though? How how can, can we believe this rumor that he's in, quote, deep negotiations to make a cameo appearance in this Flash movie, even while this battle is going on with Warner Brothers? It could oh, be I, part of their negotiation, possibly. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> like, hey, you drop this claim and we'll give you a part in Flashpoint or something. I don't know. Or they have struck up a deal where Jeff Johns and Jeff, Joss Whedon are no longer even remotely involved in it. And so he's willing to come back for story reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am interested to see the more, the more I kind of like, um, cause at first I was like, I'm not making a decision. I'm not talking about this whole Ray Fisher thing on the podcast right now until we learn more about this. And then when, when, Basically, it came out that like Warner Brothers is basically like lying it, uh, about this. I was kind of like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say that I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on Ray Fisher's side here. And then I also am even more so looking forward to the Snyder cut now because mm-hmm. his role is so much meatier in the Snyder cut and always was supposed to be a bigger role in the Snyder cut. And, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of loving yeah. Ray Fisher right now for fucking, you know, sticking it to him. Yeah, Warner you Brothers is the not, power. Truth, yeah, yes, Warner Brothers absolutely. is not at the top of the ethical totem pole right now because <laughs> they've been just dead silent on the whole Ezra Miller thing. It's like they didn't even release a statement, you know, saying, you know, even acknowledging that incident that happened overseas. Well, fuck, they haven't just, done anything about Amber Heard yet. Yeah. Yeah, they're just hoping that we forget. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Star Wars news, guys. Oh my God, we got uh, we're gonna, we're talking about one thing and one thing only in Star Wars news. We're talking about the Mandalorian season two trailer. Holy uh, fuck! Oct- it's coming out October thirtieth. Is where we're, we're going to get the first episode. I think uh, it's just. Are they just dropping one episode this this year? I think it's just one episode. I, I, that's all they yeah. need to give us. Did they just give us one episode last year? Last year they gave us um, one, and then like two days later they gave us a second one. That's true. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's the right approach too, because we were talking about it week to week, and I think that's the way that you release these kind of shows. You know, you keep people buzzing for two months as opposed to just three days, especially when you don't have that much other original content. Yeah, it makes yeah. it an event show, and then they make it feel like an event with the weekly release schedule. I, I think that is yeah. definitely the way to go. So the trailer alluded to something that we talked about. Did they talk about this in the first season, or was it just something that we had heard rumored that we were going to get in the first season, that the whole point of this was for him to return baby Yoda, the child, to his own kind? Because, Jake, we talked about this. There was a big rumor, and we heard the rumor that in episode six of the first season that they had made Yoda puppets, um, puppets that looked like, you know, of the race of Yoda that were going to show up in episode six of the first season. Could it possibly be episode six of the second season that we're going to get these characters? Yeah, I don't think the show itself has alluded to it, but we've definitely speculated on it, and we've heard the rumors of the, you know, the puppets and everything. Um, and I've always thought, I mean, pure speculation that once they realized what they had with baby Yoda, they put off that they're like, we can't 
just give him away right away at the end of the first season. We got to stretch this out a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's going to be around <laughs> next season too. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they're never going to give him. His parents are going to be waiting a long time. <laughs> he's going to be like, he's going to be teenage Yoda by the time they see him again. He's going res- to resent the fuck out of his parents. Have you guys, have you guys Start stripping and shit? Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, dad. <laughs> so is, okay, so. Are we getting Boba Fett in the second season? I, I I'm starting to hope not. I don't feel like the show needs that gimmick to be good and popular. Well, we know that what's his name? Tamir Morrison has been cast, but is he, is he going to be playing Boba Fett or could he be just playing any other clone? I hope it's just any other clone. I hope so, too, but I think he will be playing Boba Fett. One appeal about this show is that it's just not tying into stuff, and, and I like it that way. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the first trailer. The first the, the first trailer for season two that we got, we are we are going back to Tatooine. We saw – we see a Tusken Raider on a Bantha, and with – the, uh, we we know that Timothy Oliphant isn't he playing Cobb Vanth? Yeah, that that casting has happened. Yes. So Timothy I mean, Oliphant tie into things, just stuff that's more obscure than like the mainstream Star Wars stuff. Because even like the first season, like had the dark saber stuff. Yeah, I don't mind it tying into things that we're familiar with, but it's like. You know, I don't want it to just be part of the the bigger narrative or let's see how what happened to this character that we beloved. Um, you know, I just don't want it to go that route because one thing that was so fascinating to me was that it was just like a just reminded me of like a Saturday morning cartoon, like a it, where you're just dealing with someone who just happens to be in that that universe. I think that I, I think three hundred percent. I think that we're gonna get Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth in this one. And he, like in the Chuck Wendig aftermath book, he was the one who found Boba Fett's armor. And he's the one that we see in the episode, uh, where Ming-Na Wen is killed. And we hear, you know, we hear, you know, those, the sound of those spurs, which, which Boba Fett doesn't wear spurs. I guess it's just the sound, uh, that is made when he walks. So, but we hear that sound and then we, you know, hear like that transmission sound that we always hear from Boba Fett in the movies. And I think if we do get Tamir Morrison in this, I think he will be playing Boba Fett and he's coming for, he's heard, he's coming for his armor. He's, he's heard about this, about this, um, um, you know, this, uh, uh, Cobb Vanth, who's this former slave that found the armor and, and made himself this sheriff in, uh, in, in this settlement of Freetown and he's coming for his armor. And we might have a showdown between a couple of these characters or even all three at the same time for all we know. It could be, it could be absolutely, it could be absolute insanity to watch this. So I don't know. 
I mean, in Timothy Oliphant playing a sheriff or any kind of western. Style what? What? So that doesn't. Man. That doesn't make any sense at all, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Justified. I, I've said it before. Is one of my favorite TV shows, and it's a modern day western, and he's so goddamn good at that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's perfect casting. It's perfect casting. And like, if you're talking about the Mandalorian, anyway. You know, um, Star Wars, there's a lot of connections between like, you know, old samurai films, Kurosawa stuff, and then also mm-hmm. just kind of like spaghetti westerns and things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like that's the type of stuff that Favreau really tapped into with this series too. Oh my God. Uh, when the trailer first starts, um, and we see the Razor Crest, did you guys notice that the engine on the right side of the Razor Crest is cutting in and out? Like the thruster? Yeah. Yes. And even the door on the back of the Razor Crest is like open. It looks damaged. Like what the fuck do we, that's nothing from like the first season. We didn't get to see like where all this damage came from. So this is like a new development, correct? Like uh, are they being pursued? I'm, I'm guessing that they're being pursued by whoever is trying to get uh, baby Yoda here. Yeah, that's exciting because that's kind of something we never really got to see in the first season is like a big space battle. Yeah, and I'm wondering if um, he's headed back to tattooing for that repair because isn't that where he got it repaired before? We never know. The, the, the first planet that they were on looked like Tatooine, but it was not Tatooine. They were different Jawas on a different planet, right? No, Correct. I'm talking about um, episode six when he goes to the cantina. Wasn't the Razor Crest being repaired at that time oh fuck oh. yeah yeah with tignatara right yeah um yeah no, the I'm whole... sorry. uh what's her name um amy uh uh yeah yeah her name. yeah oh fuck uh. it's not important but yeah no. episode six um amy sedaris whole... yeah amy sedaris yeah there you go <laughs> yeah wasn't she the one that was working on the razor crest yeah. On tattooing? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe it's damaged and it's headed there for repairs. Were you guys upset that we didn't get any live action? Ah, you're going to say no. Rosario Dawson is a Sokatana. Yeah, no. They no. can hold that. And that's honestly one of the things I'm most worried about about this season is I just don't want it to be Dave Filoni continuing more Clone Wars bullshit in other shows. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about that. Yeah, he seems to do that. He seems to do that. And I, I am worried about that, too. And and it looks like it could even even uh, go further where we could get the um, uh, live action ver- version of you know, there's been speculation that we might get Sabine Wren. Yeah, I was shocked at how many people on Facebook and Twitter assumed that Sasha Banks was Rosario Dawson. What? Yeah, I saw that all over. I saw so many people claiming that was Rosario Dawson, and uh, so our first look at Ahsoka, and I'm like, um, no, guys. <laughs> I did not see. That's crazy. Are people speculating that uh, Sasha is going to be Sabine? Yes. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think that's the case either. The narration leads you to believe that she's she's some kind of Jedi, some kind of Jedi, because she kind of disappears at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, the narration basically calls her a wizard. 
What was your favorite par- part in the trailer? For me, it was basically like when they're th- when we see the Mando activate his whistling birds, and then Baby Yoda covers like his like little eggshell that he's in all the time. I that was yep, my that's, favorite that's part. That's the best part where you see the Baby Yoda POV, and the screen goes dark for you, the viewer, too, and you just hear all the beat ups until you finally see all the damage. That uh. that's the best part. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a yeah. really well shot or a well put together trailer, I felt. And you don't really see that too often. A, a trailer that does its job where it tells you where it's going and it doesn't really reveal anything. And I thought that it was well cut and I really enjoyed it. I thought the baby Yoda part, the, the whistling birds part was my favorite as well. I loved it. My um, Mandalorian waffle maker came in this past week. Oh, I saw that on Twitter. That's I for- awesome. I forgot that I ordered this thing, Jake, like six oh, months ago. Oh, that's always fun. I forgot. I, I ordered it from <laughs> I ordered it from GameStop on a whim like six months ago. I was still like, you know, like riding that Mandalorian high. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get – I don't have a waffle maker. Let me get let – me get, <laughs> let me get this. And then it fucking comes in the mail. I was like, oh, my – I did order this fucking thing. <laughs> Have you used it yet? I haven't. I gotta buy, I gotta buy a fucking waffle pancake mix or whatever the fuck. So. It's quick. Yeah, I haven't used it yet, but yeah, I totally will. I've got two more payments left on my, um, uh, Tony Stark nano gauntlet from, uh, Sideshow Collectibles. And oh, then. Nice. I know. I know. Oh my god. Two more payments left. They, I did like the flex pay or whatever the fuck they have where you can make like yeah, six. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Make six payments of like 50 bucks or whatever it was. I've never splurged like this on like a collectible before. And I loved Endgame so much. I wanted something really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Endgame fan. Finally, man. Fuck it. I can't even get my co-host this week to get that excited. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah, two more payments and then they, they'll send me my, uh, Tony Stark nano gauntlet. I cannot fucking wait. Is that life size? I have an end game cap coming in a couple months. You got a what? I have end game cap coming in a couple months. I want, I want the, like uh, dick? I want <laughs> the, uh, hot, the hot toy, <laughs> not the dick. The, the hot, the hot toy. toy. The hot toy of, uh, Captain America's penis? Smoking hot toy. Yeah, I, I think it's actually delayed now because they're making moderations to it. <laughs> they're accentuating it to it. They're like <laughs> to reflect reality. Yeah, you got you got some you got some guy n- named Todd behind the screen uh, behind the scenes screaming, "We need more veins! <laughs> we need more veins on it!" Mm. Oh my god! Oh, and I got. Uh, we had that, we ran that King of Staten Island, uh, contest, Jake. I got my, uh, they sent me a King of Staten Island swag box. I haven't opened it yet. No, oh, I'm excited to see what you get there. I think I got like a, I think I, I know I got a hoodie cause they asked me my size. And then, uh, I, I think they definitely sent the movie. It was a big box. They should have sent, they should have sent Pete Davidson to your house to give you a tattoo. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> He fucking Your he dr- tattoo from he, Pete Davidson. Yeah, he draws Chris Evans' cock on my back, and it takes up the whole thing. 
That'd be amazing. I really enjoyed that movie. Oh, oh yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, I love the movie overall, man. But, you know, I don't know. I don't think Pete Davidson deserves an Oscar or anything. But, man, I think that I think they like a documentary shit. Yeah. Of his life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My octopus teacher. Everybody watch it. Right. So good. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Jake, you got to watch it. It's really fucking good. Yeah, I'll check it out. I added it to my notes. I was crying like a yeah. pusshole. Crying like a pusshole the entire time. Yeah. Jesus. We're not guarding that pussy. Tristan's whole family cried. Yeah. Guard that pussy, <laughs> right, Jake? Uh, Neil? Right, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline. Oh my god. Guard, guard that octopus. Dude, you. if I ever, if I ever got a Chris Evans autograph, I would want him to write guard that pussy on it. That's hilarious. That's gonna follow him for some time now. Oh, it's got to. I, I will not let it go. I will not let it fucking go. I think people are just willing to like, forget it, but I am not ever gonna forget it. Guard that pussy. That it's a, unforgettable. It's unforgettable. It's such a douchey fucking thing. It really is. I don't care how you try to spin it. It's douchey. If yeah. I had a picture of myself that said guard that pussy, everybody would be like, oh, my God, what a douche. <laughs> I'm going to make that picture for you. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I want you to – you've got to make sure. you got to make sure that you find the exact same the font, the exact same douchey font that he used. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've, now that we've, like, said it and put it out there, I'm sure someone else will have it done by tomorrow. Oh, my God. Please, <laughs> please make that happen. Oh, my God. Guard that pussy. Get the fuck out of here. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, we get it, Chris. You, even you know you're that good looking. We get it. We get it. Guard that pussy. Oh, my oh that's God. funny. Yeah. It's so douchey. Oh, it's so bad. It's, I'm not, I'm not, it's douchey. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna fuck, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this shit. It's a douchey thing to say. I don't care how, I don't care how it shows up on your phone. And the fact that he saved, if somebody sent it to him, it's the fact that he's yeah, like, oh, I'm going to yeah. save it to the camera roll. <laughs> I'm going to have use for this later. Yes. You could have just fucking kept that shit in your fucking message photos. You didn't have to save it to your own personal camera roll. Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I want to, th- Jake. I want to thank, I want to thank our guests, and I want to thank Captain America's penis for this episode. <laughs> yeah, easily the fifth guest host here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it has quite the presence, doesn't it? Jesus. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't when we. I I was confused when we got the Dune trailer and we saw the first sandworm. I was like. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know Chris Evans was in this movie. Oh, yeah, Chris Evans is back on Instagram. Oh, it's a Dune trailer. Oh. oh. <laughs> why, why is Chris Evans' penis coming out of the sand? Why does it look like a butthole? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, did somebody bury Chris Evans in the sand? <laughs> Anyway, no, thank you, Neil. 
You're welcome, Brian. Where can where where the fuck can people find you, you son of a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I am a son of a fuck. Um, we are all that. sons of fucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, Smorgasbord is the podcast that I'm doing with Stephen Farshid. We're on Twitter uh, at SmorgasbordPod. We are have an email, which is smorgasbordpod at gmail.com. I think we're also on Instagram, which is smorgasbord underscore podcast. So yeah, we're we're trying to make this happen and it's been a lot of fun. And we have a we have a we have a really really good time talking to each other and we go on tangents almost as much as we do on this show. So it's 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 been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. Are you doing are you having guests on? Did you say that earlier? Yeah, we're eventually going to. We're still, you know, finding our own groove and, and, and figuring things out. But we've we've been in discussions with uh, Cardcast and, and Paul Hart from Movies from the Heart uh, about doing some crossover episodes. So yeah, we we got some stuff in the works. You're trying to find your own groove. Can you tell me how Stella got hers? Can you? No, I did, did not. I, I've never watched. <laughs> I've, I, I've never been able to figure it out. I've never watched that movie. Has has anyone watched Stella got how Stella got her yeah. move back? Spoiler: She fucked a young Jamaican guy. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so let's go find us some young Jamaican guys. <laughs> uh, did she when 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 she, when when he was fucking her? Did she did she say at any point in time Jamaican me crazy? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm, I'm impressed. We're like four hours in, and you, you still managed to say the dumbest thing in the entire podcast. Jamaican me crazy. Oh man, Tristan, thank yep. you, sir. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure to be here on episode three fitted. <laughs> oh man, oh man, Jake, we're fifty episodes away from the big four zero zero. I was just thinking about that this morning, and it feels like just yesterday that we did 300. I, yeah. It goes by so fast anymore. It does. Why is time going by so fast? Is that just a sign that we're getting old? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Man. <laughs> That's yeah. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, Very much. Guys, guys, it is. Guys, we are, we are, uh, we're about five weeks away from Mandalorian season two. Yeah, oh, exciting. Oh, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. Oh my god. I think that first episode when it fucking drops is just gonna, and we know it's just gonna leave us wanting more right now. Right now. It's just gonna, it's just gonna, leave. I gotta watch the boys episode season five. You guys are saying some fucked up shit happens. It's just gonna blow my dick off. Well, there's just a point where I was just saying, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, for about 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's some fucked up shit that happens just like in every episode. And it's, yeah, yeah it, this season has been really, really good with the boys. Guys, real quick. Um, Greg Smith, one of our listeners, he is a comic book. He's, he's, he's in the, he's, he's in the comic book field and he's got a, uh, um, Kickstarter out there and, uh, for Starlight. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I supported it. I supported, I backed it as well. So go to um, 
Go to Kickstarter. Just look it up. If it's something that you think you're going to be into, please help back this Kickstarter. Um, just do a Google search for Kickstarter and Starlight and please help back this one. If you're into comic books, if you're into supporting comics, please help back this one. They really need our help. There's only a few days left by the time you're going to be listening to this episode. Um, I've backed it, so please help them. I think they're about halfway to their goal. Yeah, they so, needed for, like just under a grand, I think. They need just under a grand now? Yeah. Oh, God, they're really making a push then because like, they needed quite a bit when I fucking last checked. Yeah, I, you retweeted it. So if, you know, if it's easier to just go to our Twitter and scroll back a few tweets, you can find it right there and, and donate and get a copy. Greg is such a fucking sweet dude too. I love Greg. Fucking yeah, Greg, Greg. Greg is a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Greg it's been great to see him these last couple of years at C2E2. Absolutely. He's a good guy. Yeah. Big supporter of the show. Fucking always happy to see me, which not many people are. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm talking, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to you, mom. I'm talking to you, mom. I'm talking to you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my fucked up. Parents. I'm pretty sure that scene in Mandalorian, the, the trailer that everyone loves the most, that feels so Robert Rodriguez to me. I bet you that's his episode. Oh, with the, with oh, the whistling shit. birds? Yeah. With the whistling birds? Yeah, that feels so like his direction to me. It could be. I think it's Peyton Reed's episode my, myself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Your favorite Marvel director. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for the episode where the Mando and the child shrink. Oh man, can't wait. <laughs> can't. They need to put the fucking shrink away on Chris Evans. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> 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 Let that guy walk normal for a day. Fuck. Oh my! Speaking of Kang the Conqueror, we got Chris Evans, Wang the Conqueror. Jesus. <laughs> I know. I had to one up Jake. Jake had the perfect joke, and I tried to one up, and it didn't work out well. <laughs> it was okay. No, I should. I should have just Jake. You did it. You did it. You had. A, you had a good one, and I tried to. Like, I came in a little too soon with Wang the Conqueror. We should, we should, no, we, we should have marinated on your funny joke for a little longer. And here I come, here I come moseying on up with my stupid ass joke. Here, buddy, look, here's, here's the new joke. And it was dumb. It just, it, we should have marinated on yours a little longer before I came in there like a fucking doofus and fucked it all up. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I like just throwing it at the wall as fast as possible, so we know something will hit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. They, they got to come out uh, fast and furious, right? Yeah, like, don't don't let the person have time to decide it wasn't funny before you're throwing some other dumb shit at them. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a it's like a Deadpool movie. We just keep throwing <laughs> shit at the wall, see what sticks. Oh no, he's got tiny legs now. <laughs> <laughs> tiny legs oh it's just funny alright guys um, we are done we'll see you next week 351 just like all good leftover Sam Jake what are we doing next week 
I'm missing the next week. Don't next tell people weeks. that you my, never my you, moving. You never tell people that, Jake. Never tell people because there are people that only <laughs> listen for you. And now- <laughs> you know what? We're gonna postpone our move till November. I will for sure. <laughs> <laughs> never tell. Never tell people. Never ah, tell forget people. Forget about that rule about once every fifty episodes. There are pe- yeah, Jake. I've told you this before. There are people that only listen for you. And then when I mean, you tell them, when you give them the heads up that you're not going to be on, they're like, and then we, we don't get their download that week. And I want to trick those motherfuckers. <laughs> Jesus, they're only listening for me and their life is already that pathetic. So I don't want to, I don't want to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got, uh, we got Enola Holmes next week. Yay. Oh, what is uh, that? That's, Bobby, uh, uh Willie Bobby Brown or Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown, Brown and Henry Cavill, yeah. right? And it's yeah. A, oh yeah. yeah, I've seen a ton of social media shit for that. Jake, you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss Sherlock casting ever. You're gonna miss. Uh, what was that? What was that, Neil? The worst Sherlock Holmes casting ever. Wow. <laughs> you know. You know what? Young Sherlock Holmes, best ever Sherlock Holmes movie. That's a great movie. I fucking yeah, love that good. movie. Young Einstein, best Einstein movie. <laughs> I'm a big Yahoo series. Yahoo series. I am too. <laughs> oh man, what happened to Yahoo serious? <laughs> what happened to Yahoo? Does anybody know what happened to Yahoo serious? No. Is he alive? I have no fucking idea, man. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of like uh, these one hit wonders, these little flash in the pans that I have no idea. Like, what happened to Right Said Fred? Was he just too sexy and he just dropped off the fucking face of the planet? <laughs> too sexy yeah. for a second hit. He retired in the year 2000. Yeah, who's serious? Yeah, who's, oh, he, oh, oh, I'm done. I've, I've yeah. done it all. Stop calling Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I retire. <laughs> Gotta change my number. Dude, you are, you retire. You are forced into retirement. Get the fuck out of here. He, he is an honorary doctorate from the University of Newcastle. Right. Bill Cosby has an honorary doctorate too. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, de- real he definitely was well versed in certain chemicals that a doctor might be. Oh. <laughs> it's getting Yahoo serious here. Oh, <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad I'm not missing next week now. I forgot about the fucking Millie Bobby Bobby Brown Sherlock Holmes thing. Oh Whoa. man. I I haven't I haven't even watched the trailer for it. Oh, uh, it's the event of twenty twenty. <laughs> that's that's a high bar to clear, man. Who's uh, the Moriarty in that version? Yeah, who's serious? He came out of retirement. <laughs> 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 I can't believe they talked the guy out of retirement. <laughs> they found his Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> they, they Netflix clicked like on his Facebook fan page. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we talked about hangings earlier. He was like five seconds away from doing that before they offered him the role. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> you got really. <laughs> 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 oh, 
man. Oh, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with 351. See ya. Laters. See ya. Neil, say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Neil doesn't want to go. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it, could it taste? Do we love it? Hey, let's make it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover, counterculture pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.